Welcome back, Golden Globies. We are traveling the Rainbow Roads this week, and I'm not yeah. talking Mario Kart. We're equal opportunity provocateurs. This is true. Everybody's welcome to the theater. That's right. So you got to be a certain height. You got to be this tall to get in. But after that, it's, it's, it's fucking the Wild West. That's right. You know, Griff, we open with uh, the song Raw Deal by Judas Priest. Okay. Now we all know that Rob Halford's gay. He came out like in the mid to late 90s. Oh, okay. And it was after he left Judas Priest. He thought he was going to... He jumped on the... Uh, Call back to last week's episode. He jumped on the industrial goth kind of bandwagon. <laughs> he did. He did an album called Two. Okay. Very bad album. But that's when he fully came out. You know, Rob never like said he was. He never said anything. He never said he was straight all those years. But he never said he was gay. He was just. But everybody fucking knew. Yeah, but yet no one knew. That was the weirdest thing. And so, the song "Raw Deal" we opened with came out in '77. And if you listen to the lyrics. There's no metaphor. The song is about going to a fucking gay bar and looking for some dick. Cruising. Cruising. And getting that dick and loving it. Yeah. And, and they, talk, they talk about leather dudes in it. And they talk about Fire Island, which is a, a, like a resort like that's very gay friendly, especially oh, back then. Okay. And it's just hilarious how they just went over all these meathead metalheads. Because people lost their shit when Rob came out. And it was first of all, it's like... I was like, yeah, really? Shocker. Well, it's like the fuck. Look, we live in the dumbest times. We know yeah. this. We've got, oh, shit. I forget what it was called, but there was the counter action from the right woke cult or anti woke culture who came out with uh, Hershey's bars, but there was the counter to it. Yeah. And there were with nuts was for men and without nuts was for women. And, yeah. and you know how much they were selling those chocolate bars for? 20 bucks, something. Like, Three normal Hershey's Hershey size candy bars were like fifteen dollars. I love it, man. Just grift, keep grifting. Exactly, it's the greatest fucking thing. And they now have the ultra right beer. By the way, twenty bucks a six pack. You're sipping it. We're gonna be drinking Bud Light all throughout this episode. Oh yeah. By the way, that's right. Give it to Kid Rock came by today and gave us this, the, the cases he had in the his. ones he didn't blow up with dynamite yeah. and AR-15s. He gave to he said, us. Here's your gay beer, and we said we'll take it. I don't even drink beer, and I'm like I'm gonna drink it all throughout. This. That's right. He's stone colding over here, Murray. Is. <laughs> He's fucking smashing them. That's We're- it. Like, I don't drink it. I just. Flinging around. It looks like a scene right now yeah, out we, of cruising. We, yes, we do have plastic everywhere. <laughs> do have plastic. So it's just, it's just the set. And what was it? It was the reaction to Rage Against the Machine when they're like, you guys went woke. And it's like, what? what do you have know you what they're never, called? Have you never paid any First attention? First of all, my beef with Rage Against the Machine was the opposite. They're total sellouts. They're, they're millionaires raging against the machine. They're working for the machine while raging against it. Uh, yeah. I don't know what to say about that. It's like, but sure, no. you can you can have money and well, still raise like, against the machine. Yeah, that's the but. thing. Paul Ryan probably thought that uh, Rob Halford was straight too. That's right. Oh yeah, that was Paul Ryan. He was like, Favorite this band. this this band is iron to it. Jesus Christ, that guy's the worst. But yeah, we've been like we're equal opportunity, so we're gonna have a gay erotic. Well, I don't think it's erotic. Nothing erotic about this movie, but a sex thriller. And this it, is a sex thriller month. I'll I'll admit I'll admit flim flam. The movies we're doing so far haven't been technically erotic, yeah. but they're full of fucking. Barely they're, any. They're about the sex trade, the sex industry. Look, All we, of them have We been. started out with the chase. We had a character 
stalking a woman. Right. A chase. That, and it took place in the, the sex industry, 1980s porn industry. The, so there was, yeah. there was sex there. We got some sex. We got a lot of dick talk. You're right. I went back and watched that scene. He, was, he wasn't asking him to jerk off with him. He was asking him to watch a movie. So... I got that one wrong. And then we got into the hardcore world of S&M last week. So hardcore, they're killing people in the movies. Oh, wait, which movie did we do last week? Eight Millimeter. Eight Millimeter. And, I, and I'm sorry, judging by the numbers we're getting, people don't agree with you, Flam Flam, because we're holding up. We're not... I was I was, I was, I was like, I don't know. I never know, because we, we're all about... Unlike most podcasts, we're innovators. We experiment. We no. do different things. We don't just stick... God bless you. If you you started a podcast that was just doing Shaw Brother movies, God bless you that you could do that week in and week out. I can't do that. No. I couldn't do a canon movie. Week. First of all, I guess if I always said we'd be done by now. We'd be done. But even then, it's just like, no, man, variety is the spice of life. That's we right. We got to just fucking. So we're like trying this new genre. And so far, you're liking it. So we're probably going to start. I don't know if we'll do another uh, sex thriller month. Oh, God, no. It's a trickle at this yes. point because these are the worst fucking movies yeah. to do notes for. Five yeah. pagers, like six yeah. hours of sitting Mysteries down. Mysteries are the hardest to do because you're putting details like maybe this detail will pan out. Maybe right. it won't. It really makes you annoyed with directors and everybody who's storyboarding, writing things because it's like, oh, that seems like it's a clue. And you yeah. write it in the notes and then it's like that wasn't necessary. Right. Their, our notes are not over detailed. They're stripped down. They're just right. f- so we don't get lost and we're going, but then when <laughs> when did that happen? Right. And even still, we do that sometimes. Right. But this movie, Cruising, uh, I, w- I choose, I mean, this is a very controversial movie. I think I think if people knew, because this is very, I mean, it's got, even though it has Al Pacino in it, it's kind of an unknown movie. I mean, did you, you never, heard, never of heard of it? Never heard of it. I had never seen it until like about five years. I'd heard about it, but I hadn't seen it about five years ago. I The only uh, acknowledgement I've had is, of course, Joe Corey. Sorry you're not on the episode with yeah. us, Joe. It's going to take us nine hours to do by ourselves. <laughs> right. So that is why we had to choose to do it just the two of us. Right. And uh, for, we don't have to say no homo before we do this episode, do we? <laughs> no, actually, that was just me saying that's what we said as kids. Yes, so we don't very, have to. We're adults. Yes, that's and, and who cares if people think we're homos? We that's don't right. care. Right? I am dressed as Friday Mercury with my uh, bandana around my right <laughs> arm right now. Take that hanky off your right <laughs> arm. <laughs> so yeah, so I choose to believe that at least Al Pacino went in this with the best of intentions. I don't think Al Pacino's homophobic. They were, when they were filming this, there was a lot uh, the gay community of New York was really pissed off about it. I can see where they're coming from because, I mean, I can see where both sides are coming from. I think the mo- filmmakers, William Friedkin directed it, who did The Exorcist and French Connection. And, so he's a pretty good director. Yeah, Those he's are a big, big he's names. A big, he's, a, yeah, he's a big name director. Yeah. I think they're talking... When they're doing the movie, they're talking about a certain subsection of gay culture it was like the hardest of hardcore, you know, the leather daddy scene. Yeah. And I, I can understand why gay people think, well, middle America, especially in 1980, middle America is going to lump us all into that. And they think that's what we're all about. I mean, they do a good job putting the Ted character because he's just the middle of the road kind of gay guy. He's the average gay guy. I was wondering why Ted was there. And yeah. it's just to show you, like, these are fucking normal human beings. You know, right. there's weirdos and normal people in every culture and whatever, you know, like they wake up and they they're just like, hey, I was working all night. I want to go get a cup of coffee. There's not there. It's not just like 
I think about Dick and only Dick all the time. You know, right. they in that scene you're talking about, he's throwing porn away. He wasn't. Oh, let's go in your room and read these together. No, right. it's like they're living lives and they yeah. just want to be accepted and passed over the same way everybody else is passed over. You know, right. just ignored. You know, we got to say something. Yeah, sure. Being gay, it's it's rough. We understand that, but at the same time, there's got to be something about being able to get. Fucked anytime you want. That's a good. That's the one advantage about being gay. You cut out the bullshit. You just you go to the bar. You go, hey, I want to <laughs> fuck. You see this bandana? I want to fuck. You want to fuck? Let's go fuck. Right. Like, that's if there's any benefit in, in our culture, America's culture, being gay. It's that. <laughs> you can just unless you look like Danny DeVito, you're more than likely gonna get what you want if you ask right. for it. If it like no chit chat, no taking, no wooing, no taking out to dinner. It's just like, hey, I want to fuck, you want to fuck, let's fuck. That casual fucking sex style. The whole fucking we have bars. Just say, yeah. I used to do work in a gay bar. <laughs> get Dancer, yeah. <laughs> when I was doing home theater in Dearborn, there was one gay bar. I want to say it was called the Rusty Nail, right on the train tracks too. It was like all the fucking stereotypes of a gay bar. We're happy. We had a gay at bar. In Pon- it's not there anymore. It was called the Pink Flamingo. It yeah, was the gay bar in Pontiac. Yeah, it's like the super ghetto, like white it was, trash. It, yeah, it was in the gay su- bar. It was like not in the greatest location. And everything. Well, that's yeah. Any well, that's like punk rock clubs or heavy metal clubs. Anything that's like an underground subculture. You go. You're in the bad part of town. Exactly. It's cheap. To, right. Like you know, right? Get the exactly. property. And I bet that place was fucking balling every night. The bathroom was terrifying. <laughs> And Every you would think, bathroom's bathroom is bare. Yeah, yeah. You think yeah. that's that would be the first place I'd find a glory hole. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's just like a bathroom without a door is on it. Is that a thing? Is that an urban legend? I've never seen a glory it's hole. It's right up there with a the snuff movie. It's okay. an urban legend. Yeah. But yeah, I was doing, uh, like, they had stereo systems for karaoke night and everything. Fucking nicest people I've ever worked for, of course. They were really cool. So, gay bar, man. Well, it's funny because, and this makes sense that when they were filming it, there's some good music in this movie. There is really good. Do you there, know the they, punk they, song that was in there? Yeah, it was by the Germs. The they, germs. There were some Germ songs in there. because, But the, William Friedkin chose, he, he wanted a more gritty, dirty vibe because he said a lot of it was disco, which is true. Gay guys loved disco, especially at that time. Yeah. Like, disco was hot at the village people, for Christ's sake. Right. And like Donna Summers, he's like, we're not playing that shit. So they were, because they went to some real gay bars. Obviously, you know, he, Method and you need you, like and, like all the extras were mostly people that frequented these places. I bet which there makes was. sense. Yeah. So and the, he was just like, "Look, do what you do. Like, obviously, don't fu- like blow each other. Fuck anybody because we're making a movie. But just right. act the way you normally act. Yeah. Like, dance and do whatever. Dress how you dress. Go to third base. Don't fucking go. Right. You know, don't don't hit a home run tonight. Don't because get that appa- bad out. Apparently, Friedkin had filmed the extra forty minutes to this movie, which I'm glad he cut out because. Even though it's an hour forty, it, it dragged in part. It's, it's, I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's. It, to me, it's like when we do the Italian movies. I love the Italian movies, but it's like a lot of like great scenes and then just nothing in between. Yeah, and, that, and I, I got that vibe from this. But uh, he intentionally filmed a lot, like a hardcore, a gay shit, because he knew the the MPAA was going to give him next rating. So he's like, I'll just put this shit I, I don't even intend on putting in the movie. So they'll, they'll, And then I can keep the shit I want to keep. Yeah, and you'll get to hear about the things they did keep in this movie. Because <laughs> right. it's still very blue for... It came out in 80? 80, yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean... 
especially for that time, because yeah, I and mean, people, I mean, you don't know unless you were there, you don't know how unhomophobic the. I mean, yes, there is obviously homophobia in America and the world. Yeah, but compared to like forty years ago, I mean, people were living closeted lives. Dude, now. even. 20 years ago when I was on the playground running around yelling no homo about everything. Well, that's just, like, that's just little boy shit. I know, you know? but it was yeah. still, it's in yeah. the vernacular. Like yeah. everything about it. And, you know, we use harder gay slurs and everything. And we didn't know anything about gays. We just know they liked, you know, like, penis. But yeah. it was just like, that was it. It was, it was just so baked into everything. It was casual. Yeah, so I can so, only imagine how yeah. it was. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I mean, so I, I don't. Obviously, I was six when this movie came out. So I had no recollection oh, of this yeah, movie at yeah. all. I don't even know like if it really went wide theater wise or not. But yeah, I mean, it obviously wasn't a hit. Like but, yeah. I feel like based on all that knowledge, like knowing that it was a weirder time back then, and it was probably a lot harder to be gay. Like I felt like this movie did a pretty it's good job. A lot harder to be gay. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this movie did a a pretty damn good job in retrospect of like. Showing these people, just showing them, you know. Even when they're out in the park, just hanging out, like, trying to hook up and everything. I was like, I'd walk that park. I don't give a shit about that. This, uh, the park in this movie seems <laughs> I, I, I was telling Griff before we did this. Between this, The Warriors, and Death Wish, Central Park at night in the 70s seemed terrifying. Yeah. It was just predators <laughs> everywhere. The most terrifying nighttime park walk I ever went in. <laughs> Went on when I was in Munich, Germany, and I was coming down from an acid trip, and uh, there was teenagers partying on a statue, like fucking drunk beyond their gourd. And I look over at Dave, and I was like, we got to get the fuck out of here. Teenagers are ruthless. Teenagers are the most terrifying people to me. Not gays, not straights, not, not black people. Teenagers. Terrifying. All of them. You probably got jumped by teenagers. Yeah, I did. Probably. Teenagers, early twenties, late teens. Yeah, they're terrifying. Well, yeah, they're assholes, and it's part of being growing up. That's part of growing up is you're just an asshole. Speaking of assholes, <laughs> I finally got my car back. That's uh, <laughs> that's a good thing. That's good. Took two weeks, two whole weeks without a car. I'm buy an American car next time. That let's not bring people down. Really. Yeah, that's right. All right, um, I'm trying to think of any uh, info about this movie. I mean, uh, apparently, before right, a couple years before this movie came out, there were some body parts found, like chopped up in the in the river. That was real. Okay. So he uh, freaking in, incorporated that into the movie, um, and they were by some of the victims were gay. So mm-hmm. kind of uh, taken from real life kind of situation with this movie. Okay. I, oh, also, I want to point out, originally, Richard Gere was going to be the role of Steve, Al Pacino's role, but Pacino lobbied for this part, and since he was obviously a bigger star back oh. then, I think Richard Gere would have made it a lot better. I you think, think so? They, yeah, because I could, Richard Gere, to me, seems like the guy who would be sexually confused. He gives off that vibe. Yeah, so me. this is the story that we're going to be working with in this movie. Is Al Pacino a closeted gay or not? I think you brought that up once. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is what what is the intention of the filmmakers? Is it that Al Pacino's character is a repressed gay man who's finally coming to grips with his gayness by being in the world? He probably stayed away from it. Right. 
Or, and this is where I can see gay people being offended by the movie and, and um, picketing or whatever against it, is does being gay or being around gay people make you gay and make you a psycho killer? Yeah. That's, so I, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the conundrum we have with this. I mean, if What's, we're... What are they trying to tell us? I, I think Al is coming from more of the repressed gay guy. I have no idea where Freakin's coming from. Maybe he is. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Freakin was homophobic. Then again, yeah. he wouldn't go into gay bars if he well, maybe he would. But well, still. That's, well, that's the thing. A lot, the, some of the most homophobic Projection. people are closeted gay guys. There's well, we a know lot that. of people in our government. In our government, I was just going to say. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're and in this movie, we have some, some cops that show yes. up in the gay bars. Go figure. Cops. They're, they have their well, own. Well, that's the thing. You ever know? Why is it that, that we all, obviously in our culture, the, the most manliest guys are jocks? Yes. Yet they're all about whenever they want to prank, it's always gay related. It's always sexual humiliation. I work why at, is that? Yeah. I've never wanted to do any of that shit to anybody. No. I've never like if I if I was pissed off at somebody, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna fuck you in the ass. It's like some shit like they would say. I'm just like I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. Right. right. Like why does it go there? And it's always like a prank that requires them to take off their pants or something. Well, we had a thing a few years ago at a high school. They put like a broomstick up a kid's ass or what? some shit. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, why Why does it go there? Why? There's so much more trauma you can inflict on a person. <laughs> like, you could slowly do it Be like it high school years. girls. Mentally traumatized. Mentally traumatized. Scar them for life. <laughs> for life. Instead of one. Well, that would probably scar you for life. A broom. <laughs> yeah, it's got Jesus winners, yeah. Oh. Oh, and if you don't get the muscle relaxers in there right. Get, that, get those poppers. Got to get those poppers in there. <laughs> All right, Griff, let's get to the trailer of this movie. We need to do one under two-hour episode. <laughs> you want to do? Okay, so we'll, well postpone. Well, I'm just like, the whole point was to try to get more people into Because I know women were really into sex thrillers, so I was like, I don't want to overwhelm them with us, you know. I mean, yeah. we're probably, I mean, I've I've gotten past two weeks griff i've heard from so many dms i've gotten from people thank you i'm no longer impotent i can have sex with my wife now we're gonna have a baby now thank you for your your sexy voices talking about these sexy topics we've only had one person who can't get anything up down under who's complaining constantly about these movies but everyone else is like thank you my my wife is no longer frigid she likes to have sex now I mean, even some of the super ultra-right type characters are saying, they've been saying sperm count's way low, men aren't men anymore, sperm count's Uh, up 3,000% since Thriller Month. Right. I mean, it's incredible. Let's go for 4,000%. That's right. With this trailer for the Al Pacino movie, Cruise It. From William Friedkin. We've been finding parts of bodies floating in the river. Comes a psychological thriller. Why don't we take a walk? Starring Academy Award winner Al Pacino. How'd you like to disappear? Go undercover. Disappear? The victim was at about 10 pieces. He's a bad dude. He's a scumbag. You made me do that. Things happening to me, you know? A controversial and landmark film. Why don't you want me anymore? What I'm doing is affecting me. About a New York subculture being terrorized by one of its own. 
It's just stuff going down. You know what you have to do. Now I'm afraid. Welcome back, Golden Globies. Maybe you'll get to hear some more tales of Larry, but like you said, let's yeah. try to keep this under two hours. Let's, that's our goal yeah. today. It's yeah. going to be tricky. This is yeah. a very interesting movie. Yes. Uh, I mean, we we have even some cop- topics that would have worked in with the Larry stories, with the whippets and everything. Yeah, we'll, we'll get. Well, well, yeah, we get to that. We'll, we'll go. I'll throw that. a little tales from the porn off the sh- shop. And, and uh, I don't know if we mentioned on Popper him in. I don't know if we mentioned it on the last episode, but we'll get Griff's first tale into a sex shop. Yeah, we'll do yeah, yeah. We'll do that. So, anyways, we're cutting into this movie and straight away we're on the Hudson Bay. We're somewhere around yeah, New York. Yeah, we're in yeah, it's like a tugboat or some shit. It is a tugboat. And they notice something in the water, and lo and behold, it's a severed arm. So this is clearly gonna play into this movie. No. This is one of those clues where we're writing out three paragraphs describing the fingernails, the hand length. Yeah, spoiler alert, there's nothing to do. But I like it. I like that they're just like, we live in a sick, depraved world. Yeah. And there's a guy out there. He might be our killer, might not be. This might be a totally different killer. Right. It's... That's interesting. So now we're at the Emmys. Quincy, he's looking over the, the harm. He's just like the uh, uh, cop. I think it's Lafrensky or something was his name. Yes, Lafrensky, something like that. He's like mustaches, a plenty. Oh yeah, we oh yeah we had to point out. Griff and I had we're talking about the difficulties of doing notes for these movies. Half the cast looks like Al Pacino, <laughs> I, and that plays that plays into uh, the role, the, the the story, the story, yeah. But still, yeah. And then, and then again, in the seventies, I think half of New York looked like Al Pacino. For so, real, you know, there's a lot, and like you said, there's a lot of mustaches. In yes, Al Pacino is one of the few that doesn't have a mustache. Yeah. It happens to be the type. Uh, and then the other thing is just like names. It's too many. And yeah. they never come up, so finding the names to make notes make sense, annoying as yeah. shit. Yeah, screenwriters, you need to have some go, hey, Jack, what's up, Bill? You need to do that <laughs> yes. in the first conversation so we know who's who. Exactly. Just help me out a little bit in my notes here. So Quincy is like looking over the arm, and he's like, hey, I can get a fingerprint off of this. And the, the cop's like, we need a body. We need a cause of death. I can't do shit with this. No, guy, I'm serious. This has clearly been hacked off. Nope, it's a homicide. Uh, no, it's a missing person's it's case. Like, yeah, it's like inconclusive yeah. case and or something. Yeah, he's like, no, it's seriously a homicide. And then Laflinsky just throws up the hands. <laughs> My hands are tied. So even, again, I love this because it's a story of a, vulner- a vulnerable call. Uh, 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 shit. What do I want? Oh, man. It's vul- the gays are very vulnerable right now. A vulnerable community. Community, thank you. Yeah. Community is the word I was looking for. A targeted community. A targeted, big time. And that plays, I'm sure. And if this, if I think the the real life case also was victims were gay, and it would probably play into that fact that the cops like, who gives a shit? They're gay. Let them die. You know. So it reminds me of modern times with like, there's too many trans women in sports. There's like two. And everyone's like, we got to write bills for it and everything. That's kind of what I got from this movie is there's just, every headline you see, because we see a lot of newspapers, is homo killer still at it. Yeah. 
every day. We see nine days of clips every day. Headline, first page. Gay I guys. loved how the the uh, the uh, me. He's got his like Frankenstein work. He like opens up the drawer and he's got another part. He just adds to. They're, they're like creating a human body in that. The drawer, the drawer was labeled miscellaneous parts, <laughs> yeah. and he opens it and there's just limbs. <laughs> <laughs> There's a ring he pulls off and pockets. Incredible. Incredible. All right, so now we know how the cops feel about the gay community. They don't care. Like, let them die. Who gives a shit? I wonder what code is into that. No. All right, now we're, back, we're hot on the streets. The great Joe Spinell makes an appearance in this. As in every Al Pacino movie, because they were like they went to like acting school together. Oh, so okay. Al would always throw him a bone and let him be like a minor character. Murray, you got to be careful about throwing bones and <laughs> yeah, <I'm sorry>. cruising. <laughs> okay, and it's always great to see Joe Spinell, classic, gross-looking, memorable guy. You're like, I remember that. I don't know his name, but I know that guy. Very pocked face and everything. He's gross, kind of chubby. He's kind of yeah. got that Ginty, maybe like Ginty's uncle or something, <laughs> brother, yeah. cousin. Him and his uh, partner, the patrolling boys town, or whatever, the gay part of town. Right. One person, uh, cop two, De Simone. De Simone is uh, Spinell's character's name. I don't know what his partner's name is. Oh, okay. So De Simone is the one saying, my wife. Yeah, he's like, She's get- being a fucking bitch. She's yeah. not cooking me dinner every no, night. No, he's like, she fucking left me. She went to Florida with the kid, left a note, that fucking bitch. I'm going to make that fucking bitch pay. And yet alone his partner, who I just put in there as cop too, because he was not—he pr- was the yeah. passenger, and he didn't have a name, and I needed to write something. He's just mumbling, man, we got to wipe the fucking world of these people. Right. And, and, he's, like, and he's like, what do you mean? Everybody. Well, well let's include my wife into that. <laughs> and we look out the window, we see... Yeah. What we're going to see the rest of this movie is just fucking whole street blocks of... It looks like a gay party on every street. <laughs> it's the gay part of town, yeah. It's great. It's the gay-to. Yeah, it is the gay-to. And we see a couple of hot babes, but they're not hot babes. No. They're cross-dressing gay hustlers, and I noticed one. I you was noticed like, one. I was like, where do I know that motherfucker from? That face. That face. The killer from t- great Charles Bronson movie in one of our earliest episodes, 10 to Midnight. I don't know the actor's name. Yeah. The I, killer from that movie plays a character named Da Vinci, the fucking cross-dressing hustler. No shit. Okay. I was like, this face looks familiar, but with yeah. all the makeup and the cross-dressing, and I couldn't quite figure it out. And it makes sense that his character hates wanting to kill women because he's just, he wants to be a woman as he sees he's dressed Somebody up. Somebody clearly saw this movie and was like, I got an idea for a movie. Yeah. And obviously they didn't work Da Vinci into it, but still that works. Yeah, well they got the actor though. Yeah, you know the Incelsior Five Thousand. Yeah, th- that's what we're talking about. So yeah, they're like they're like dressed up in leather, but they got two the- weeks in a row. The Incelsior Five Thousand comes it's, up. It's great. Check out the- when you're in the sex thriller month, though. <laughs> yeah, you need a fucking Incelsior Five Thousand. So their old gig is they're all just jacked out in leather, but they got like the high heel boots and the long blonde wigs on, and they, they and then uh, De Simone is like giving them shit, and they there's there's history between these guys and the cops. These guys right. are constantly fucking around with these guys. Oh yeah, well they have badges, and as uh, somebody who works with police officers has told me, cops are nothing but high school students who never matured. Okay, I don't. They're they're just high school students. They're the bullies who want to put a broom up a guy's ass to show him, a, you know, they mean business. 
Right. And they pull the guys over. They're like, get in the squad car. And they're like, come on, D. Simone. Give, you, you were fucking with me last week. You Give me a break. Get in the car. So the two uh, cross-dressers squeeze into the back with uh, uh, cop with, two? No, D. Simone. D. Simone. The cops in the front. Okay. And they're like, hey, remember when I busted you on snorting? Wait, oh, I don't remember the euphemisms they were making. But they were they were playing around, skirting around a cocksucker. And they yeah. called him a coke sniffer. And then the other person said something similar, but they were playing around. So basically, the hustlers are like, can we get this over with? You know, we you want us to suck your dick, you know, and that's what they want. Yeah. The guy even tell- the, cop number two is like, I want to show you my nightstick. <laughs> I mean my penis. And then the hustlers just roll their eyes and like, all right, let's just do what, do what we got to do. So, yeah. Camera pulls out of that car. We go to an alley. We're in like the, you know, the shady side of town. Yeah. It's the, like the, the meat, meat packing. I was just going to say the meat packing. Yeah. Fricker really was having fun with. It, it literally was the meat packing. It was, so, yeah. Well. You see the signs everywhere. Yeah. It was, yeah. And, and there's a lot of meat being packed. Do you remember even when we were in New York in 8mm, yeah. where they meet uh, Dino, Dino Velvet, Velvet yeah. meat packing industry. Yeah. Meat packing district, rather. Yeah. So yeah, there's a club, the Ramrod. We go in until we see, like, we see our killer. We we think, uh, I mean, we don't know he's a killer at this time. We just see a guy, full in leather garb. He's got the fucking police, leather policeman's hat, the mirrored shades, the long curly hair sticking out the back. Yeah, a very uh, Al Pacino looking. Yeah. And uh, they got what was it, like the blue dress shirt that was tucked in? That was a look too. The blue dress shirt. I can't remember that. Yeah, one. It was like a blue button down shirt. They would wear it. Opened, but they would tuck it in their pants. Interesting look. Yeah, yeah. Al Pacino oh, are had you that talking look. about an Oxford? Yeah, you're talking about an Oxford. That's what those shirts are called. I have a couple of those. I'm really showing my colors here. <laughs> and he walks into the club, and this is where we get down to business. What goes on in the Ramrod? We just see tons of jock straps and mustaches and sweat, <laughs> and it's a it's a very colorful scene. Yeah, I mean, we were Griffin and I were wondering, like, what is up with the jock straps? And then I, our guess is, back in those days, like you can show dicks occasionally now in movies, but it was verboten back in 1980. So I think this is the they're, they're reaching around where they're like, well, we'll show this is the most as much male nudity as we can show because you can see the ass because they're wearing jock straps. Yeah, but you can't see the dick. So I think that's why they want the jock straps. Hundred percent, and I feel like that really comes to fruition later on precinct night, precinct night when you see the one cop splayed out. <laughs> He's clearly just got the jock strap on, but you know, it obviously it's covering his dick, and he's got like three guys just just tickling his chest. We see a old friend of ours from last week, the machine, just chilling out, observing, not getting involved. He's got his leather mask on. Again, eight millimeter comes up again. You know, that's got to be. I guess you have to be a masochist to be into that because I, it would be so. Unco- it's, first of all, that place looks super hot. I'm talking like in the literal sense, like everyone's no, sweating. Yeah. And he's wearing a mask. Like, right. I would, it would drive me crazy. Wearing like, a... COVID would feast in this. <laughs> oh, shit, I said it. Uh, C-Word would feast in this uh, environment because there's no good ventilation. There's no fans in here. These people, the only way they're cooling themselves off is by just jizzing. And that's the only way. You, ca- you, you Yeah, it just cools you off. So our killer meets up with a guy, and they're like, hey, you want to go, you know, Go fuck, 
And he's like, yeah, I'm into it. So they, he, Yeah, they're having a played conversation. Because you, 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 like you said, there's no fucking around here. It's just, you like to smoke. Yeah, it calms my nerves. You know what would calm your nerves? A feather tickle down your spine. That's right. <laughs> Murray, you got to get that. Yeah, this guy, this guy was way ahead of his time. He was like, I don't like smokers. Yeah. You know, everybody smoked in Literally, 1980. This, as David Lynch would say, this is a smoker's movie. Everybody is smoking in this movie. This guy comes in with his phone. smoking. He's got the horizontal zip-up jacket zipped all the way down just above his belly button. You know, he's got to show off that chest. He was like... What can I say? I'm a narcissist. I want people to glorify me. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was an actor, this guy. I don't get why he was uh, the, the... Well, I guess I could still be glorifying him. I want to point out that Friedkin, what he does with this movie is he... Every time you see the killer, it's a different actor who looks similar, but not... Ex- but obviously, he's a different actor. And he wants... Because it's a mystery, obviously, at, at the end of the day. So he's like... You know, keeping us guessing because, like, we like Griff and I were saying, everybody looked like Al Pacino does. So, you know, I think that was a conscious choice by the director. Yeah, clearly, and it was. Re- I'm glad you you bailed me out on that yeah. fact. Well, IMDb bailed us out because I didn't even. That's fine. Up on that, you but, looked it up. Yeah, it, you, it, you it was like fucking seventy fucking things on it. People were really into talking about this. Movie. This is, I mean, this is a good time to say it. This is a solid, like, six and a half, seven movie. This is a good movie. Yeah. I enjoyed watching it. It was just, fuck for notes, it is the most obnoxious right. movie. Well, I always like the, the kind of movie, the New York movie set at this time period, because like I said, I like, I like grit. Yeah, I, I like, like real. You know, yeah. Yeah, and this, this has a lot of grittiness to it. And it's like, you get, you get the balance of, like, the darkness with the light characters, like Ted and everything. It makes Ted shine even more right so lauren and the killer go off to the saint james hotel which i probably like it's it's probably the exterminator hotel you know right the place gets a lot of action a lot of action and they go in they go they're in a room like was was it was somebody do you think they just rented this room because there's a suitcase in here i know it seems like he's been staying here for a couple weeks like he's in town maybe lauren is lauren yeah this is his place because this is his place it seems like because he had shirts up in the closet and all that you don't do that if you're just staying for a day or two well some weird people do i don't some people some people when i'm in a hotel i just live out of my suitcase i don't i don't put the shit in the drawer oh yeah no that's why i'm saying didn't like Stuart, our Stuart, like do that somebody somebody we know was like yes i'm a guy who does that i don't don't remember i don't remember i remember (laughs) us bringing that up at another time okay but Uh, yeah so uh he's got like like every every good gay guy who's in the leather scene, he's got a Kenji Tache case. Of course he does. And it's got all his accoutrements. It's got his leather wear, his leather gear. Think about the the fear and loathing in Las Vegas scene when he opens up. He's got the suitcase full of drugs, and he's fingering them all. That's the scene. That's where he got it from. That's where Terry Gilliam got it from. So uh, Lauren pulls out. He's got to get some poppers because that's that's why was a big thing in the, the leather daddy not, scene. Not quite whippets. Not whippets. But this, as, I'm glad you brought up whippets, Griff, because this is another tale from the uh, adult Larry's, bookstores. Yeah. Larry. Okay, I, I witnessed this one. Okay, anytime there's, and it's it's funny because uh, it was like. Uh, the place was also kind of like a head shop as far as... Because obviously this is the 90s when weed was totally illegal. Yeah. But they could still get around. They could sell pipes and all the accoutrements, you know, and the roach clips and all yep. that shit. So they had that kind of shit. 
And they also would sell whippets, which I'm sorry. If, if anybody out there listening has done whippets, you're like on the bottom rung of drug users as far as I... You're like there with guys who sniff, put glue in a bag and sniff it. Casually guys use who, it. Guys who huff fucking paint fumes. You're that, in that level. Like, yeah. Aspire for more. But first of all, whippets can give you brain damage the first time you use it. Don't That's, fuck with whippets, fuck all right? And I don't know. It's like I think it's just carbon dioxide is what's in them. Uh, because yeah. what it is, you can use it to like uh, turn water into soda water. That's what they're for. Oh, okay. But you can also, and this is how the porno place got around it. Not, we're not selling drugs. You can make, you can whip cream. You can make it like whipped. Um, so it's like, well, of course, people love to use whipped cream in their sex, but they were using it, obviously selling it to, for people to get high on. Well, I'm so, glad you brought up whipped cream because we'll talk about it later. So anytime a woman would come in by herself, especially if she's an attractive woman, Larry knew immediately, go for the whippets because they're not here for fucking – attractive woman can get sex anytime she wants. Doesn't so that high only last like a minute, it's, if that? It's, it's, well, and that's the thing. They would sell you the whippet, uh, the, who would come in like a package, yeah, like yeah. a dozen, and they would sell you balloons that you put it in so you can inhale it. Yeah. And it's just so ridiculous, like how like the the, law, the, the legal system works. We can do everything. We can just go all around it. And we're, 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 we're selling drugs, basically. Dude, one of the last Channel 5 things he did during COVID, that's what they were doing. It was the L.A punk show outdoor punk show and they were there was people selling the balloons yeah and that's what it was yeah so yeah that, and that was just weird like anytime he would know automatically oh it's a good looking woman here all right she wants whippets and so yeah so but no he's using poppers amyl nitrate right. and i was like i was i looked it up I, i've always heard of it i didn't know you know and it makes sense because amyl nitrate is a muscle relaxant Okay. And if you're gonna be having anal sex, I think you want to be as relaxed as possible. And so this guy, you know. La- Lauren, you, Lauren, yeah, we have yeah. his name down as Lauren. How we got his name? Don't I don't know. Us. It was in your notes. So it I was said, in my I, notes. I just went with it. I somehow figured that name yeah. out. I sleuthed the I, fuck I out know. of this one. I went with it. And so Lauren does his popper, and then he looks over, and there is our man in the corner, our our, our apparent murderer. Yeah. yeah, as we're about to learn. He's got the mirror shades still on. He's doing a James Dean, you know, just I'm a cool, badass motherfucker. So he's standing there with one leg up on the wall, just waiting. This guy comes over. Again, he's wearing he, a jock strap. Lauren, Lauren, Lauren is down. wearing the jock strap. He's just wearing yeah. a jock strap. And, and they all they both have their, their boots on. Lauren always said he wants to be he told us I want to be worshipped. And instead he goes over to, you know, the man he brought into his hotel room, and he is just Water falling his whole body with his fingertips. Gets down to the junk. Next thing, we snap to. And we're just looking at wrestling magazines on the floor and boots. Yes. With their feet still in them. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're naked, just wearing... One guy's got like, motorcycle boots. The other guy has like, hiking boots on or something. And they're just wrestling magazines sprawled out on the floor. Yes. And- were they... Was that just happened to be there, or were they using it as a part of their sex play? Like, this, I, hey, I George the Animal steals. How does that make you feel? I don't know. We get a lot of context clues into what gays like to do because clearly uh, Frederick did all of his research on how gay people live and moved in uh, New York at the time. New, uh, wrestling magazines all over the floors. We get uh, gay magazines it, in the closet. Well, wrestling the makes scene. sense if you're closeted because you have an out. You're like, well, no, I'm just a fan of wrestling. Right. I don't know. So it makes sense. I mean, yeah, tracks. No. Yeah. But these guys, I figured these guys, well, I don't know. Maybe they're, they're 
I mean, I think a lot, most people were in the closet back then. This guy's clearly been in the hotel room a long time. That's what, that's what Frederick, wait, what is his name again? Fricker. Friedkin. 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 Friedkin is clearly trying to tell us that Lauren has been in this hotel room a long time. He's got his magazine sprawled out all over the floor. New York's not even a big territory in the 70s. No, there was, you'd be lucky if there was 100,000 people right. living he in would New have York. To, in he would have to drive pretty far south to get to another territory. Yeah. So they fuck, they cut away from that, and then this is... As far as we know, they fuck. We have to assume they fuck. Yeah. But there's also a pill package that drops. I don't remember The that. little blister pack. Yeah, I know. Oh. I saw this on the second watch through. On the wrestling magazine, he drops a blister pack of pills. Mm. Now, yeah. none of the pills were missing, <laughs> but I feel like this was the excuse. Okay. This so, is one of those clues, man. So Lauren is asleep, and Killer's just standing there watching. He's, he got back in his clothes, yep. and he's smoking a cigarette watching. He's the, Watching him. You're going a little too... He's searching his place. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, you're getting it mixed up, so I was well, just confused. So, going. no, uh, our, our killer is going through his shit. He's griffing around. Oh, yeah. He's just looking through every drawer. Uh, Lauren wakes up, and he looks over at him. What are, you, what are you looking for? There's nothing in here. Just looking for a pack of smokes. That's the only thing we get to hear from his voice. And we're like, that's not a real voice. He's and plunk. then he pulls out a steak knife. Yeah. And he's like, what are you doing on that knife? And he starts like going up to his face. He's he like, flicks his nipple with it a couple yeah, times. Yeah, he's like, you know, like, are you afraid, little baby? And he's like, and then the guy just totally, I would... I'm sorry, I would have fought the dude, like with a knife. The gun is a different story, but a knife, I wouldn't have fucking lied. This is, again, why I think they were trying to tell us the guy was high. He did the whippets, and then I think he did some other... That makes sense, else. because the dude was in good shape, so he could probably could fuck somebody up. Yeah, so but, I, I'm pretty sure they were trying to say he was high. Okay. And it wasn't that the killer drugged him, it was you know self-induced. But still, he was in an altered state, and that's why he was so slurred when he was like, what are you looking for? Because the guy even told us, I don't smoke, and the killer said, I was looking for smokes. Mm. They would be in his pocket, not in the guy's drawers. So he probably thought the guy was just going to rob him, and then he comes, he threatens him with a knife, and then he makes him get on his stomach, and then he hogties him with some belts. And then he just fucking, and the guy's like obviously freaking out because he's like, this guy's going to kill me. Right. Even before he flips him on his belly, he's like, you should be afraid. And he's like, uh, but again, I think he was high. So yeah, flips him over on his belly. And then you think he's, I, I, is he going to fuck him some more? No, he starts stabbing him in the back repeatedly. And then do you notice that freeze frame of some guy fucking a dude in the ass? No. It was like a subliminal thing. It just f flashed up on the screen. As he's stabbing him, there's something from like a gay porn of a guy fucking a dude. Damn, I didn't notice that. Which, which goes with, because Freakin likes to do that because he did that in The Exorcist with the demonic faces that would flash. Oh, I'm ne I don't so know I if think, I've ever I, seen The Exorcist. I think he likes to play around with like subliminal imagery. Hey, I mean, if you're, in, if you're doing films in that era, do it. And then, all right, now we're at the the morgue where we see the body of this of Lauren, and he's like sprawled out, and the Emmy's giving him the whole details on the body. This is to our captain, Captain Edelson, played Edelson. by Paul Sorvino, who just, not Edelson, 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 who uh, Paul Sorvino just died last year, and they didn't put him in the Oscar memorial thing. Why not? 
He was in Goodfellas, for fuck's sake. He was in Cruising, for fuck's sake. Right. Mira Sorvino's father. That's right. And he's he's the captain, and he's getting the breakdown. They're like, all right, this guy is assholes dilated. Obviously, there's some tearing. He had, some, he had a good night. He had some fun before he got killed. Yeah. And Edelson's just like, <laughs> gay stuff, icky. Uh, you know, yeah. he's like, I can't take it. And he's like, but here's the thing. There's no sperm. He's there's got- jizz everywhere, oh. but there's no sperm in the jizz. Uh, what does that mean? He's got a spermia, Captain. Put it in layman's terms. Well, he's shooting blanks, Cap. And he's also, I can tell by the, the, uh, the knife wounds, he's a right-handed killer. And so we see Lauren's back, and he's got several stab wounds in it. And he goes, yeah, you see this stab wound, the first stab wound. This is clearly the first stab wound, and then work his way down in this grouping. He's clearly right-handed, but this first one, he was not stressed at all. Like, the Lauren wasn't stressed at all. It wasn't until the later stab wounds that clearly he was moving around and freaking out. Right. So Edelson, like, that's all I got for now. So Edelson goes out to the bullpen, and we see a familiar face. Da Vinci was from the New opening egg. scene. He's not wearing a wig at all. He's just got his hair. He's oh, got, that was his hair. Oh, yeah, okay. he, he has short hair. But he's still got his full makeup. and he's Leathered got like, out. Got the leather boots on. Got the high heel boots on. Yeah. And they're fucking with him because they like, they're making him look look at some uh, mug shots. They're, not, they're, not, they're pumping him for information. Because apparently he knows everything, Da Vinci. Well, I mean. I think he, he must be like uh, an informant. Like for, No, that's exactly what they're trying to yeah. tell us. Yeah. And he's like, you know, like, do you recognize any of these guys? And he's like, oh, I know this guy. And like. Does he fit the MO? He's like, no, nah, man, he's cool. He's the hustler. He ain't killing nobody. Yeah. And then he, but he's like, I got to talk to you, Edelson. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. Go ahead, let's go. We go into the office. Right. And he's like, that fucking guy, DeSimone. You he's- got a guy in the sixth precinct, DeSimone, Simone and like Tomei or something. But you got two guys. They got the cruiser. They got the radio. They got the badges. They keep fucking with me. And, of course, the captain's like, there's no way there'd be any gay guys under my patrol. So he's just like... Well, six precincts, not his precinct. Well, but that, but this is what he's trying to... This is the... I He's trying to give off because he's like... There's no way my guys would be involved with that shit. Sick gay shit. Right. He's like, you know how many guys pretend to be cops? You know, did you get a badge number? Right. He said, you know how many criminals there are out there? There's more people pretending to be cops than there are cops right now. Yeah, but I think that's a cover. I think he's just no, trying, it's 100, yeah. he's just trying to be like, no way would my guys be gay. Again, vulnerable community is the one that's most exploited. So they're using Da Vinci for information. Da Vinci's clearly putting uh, his neck on the line to inform them and everything. And what do they do when he comes to them with an issue? You're lying. Give me full badge numbers. Are you willing to wear a wire? Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to do that? Then fuck off. And then they throw him out. So then the cap, he needs to relax. What, like, this was another thing. Put it in the notes. This doesn't pan out at all. He's playing like computer chess. With Boris, the computer chess. And it's <laughs> a separate board. And then he has to type in his movement into the little machine, which it looked like that was a real machine. I'm that sure probably that really yeah, existed. Yeah, of course it did. They wouldn't make that all. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, he learns that he fucking made an illegal move. And he's like, fuck this. <laughs> and that's when 
Steve Burns, which I believe is the name of the original Blues Clues guy. Okay. <laughs> so, played by Al Pacino. Al Pacino doing some method. He's got Al the, Pacino. He's got the he's got the perm, which gives off the, the vibe to me of being a soft guy. Yeah, you know? and he's got a little wilty voice here. And he's just like he's a patrolman. He's and he's but he wants to work his way up. He wants to be a detective. Right. He's a small fish in a big New York pond here. And Edelson picked up on this. He's like, this guy could be useful. So he picked him out and said, you know. It, it, I mean, it wasn't just that, but yeah. And he's like, you want to see me? And he's like, uh, Steve, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a guy suck your cock? Have you ever been porked? Have you ever smoked a pole? Are you, are you messing with <laughs> me, sir? He's like, look, I need to know this shit. Because I got an assignment for you. There's, you know, he's like, we're getting fucking. I'm the, the fucking mayor's on her ass about this guy killing these gay guys. I don't give a fuck, but we got to get this case solved. I want you to go undercover. Even like throws an arm around him, shows him the murder scenes. They've got you know like several things set up on the poster board with the red strings attaching them all and everything. And he's like, look, do you notice anything about these gentlemen? And we just see, like, behind the headshots, and he's like, we got the same perm. That's right. You got the same perm. So that's why everybody looks the same, because the killer goes after a particular type. A type that looks like him, which means he, which tells you he's a self-loathing gay guy, because he wants to kill himself by killing these guys. That's got to be it, right? That Projection. Thing. Right. It's always... And so he's like, look, you're going to be deep undercover. I'm the only guy who's going to know you're undercover. You come to me, we're going to hook up something where you get paid, like, secretly. Right, and... Don't tell anybody, not even not, your girlfriend. The, you know, Steve is just like, well, sir, I really don't know if I deserve this opportunity. It sounds really intense and everything. And and then Captain just starts uh, flashing his badge. There's a gold one waiting for you at the end of the rainbow. And then that's all it took. Steve wants that fucking badge. Wants to move up the ladder. So, all right. Now he goes home to his lovely uh, girlfriend, Nancy, played by Karen Allen from Raiders of the Lost Ark. We remember from that. Having some hot-ass sex. They're fucking. Were they? Yeah. I thought they were just hanging out. No. Oh, no. We see, like, the post-coitus. You're right. So it was just, like, hands, fingers interlocking and everything. And he tells her, like, look, I'm going to be, like, I'm not going to be around a lot for the next few weeks because I'm going undercover. But this is the fast track to that fucking detective shield that we've been wanting. We can move out of this shitty apartment, get a fucking deluxe apartment on the east side. I thought you weren't interested in something like that. And then this is where this is where we're like wondering, is he a closeted gay guy? Because there's a, there's a lot about me you don't know. So that tells me like, well, maybe he is like this. You know, he's deeply repressed gay man. Knowing this is a gay themed movie, that is, of course, where your brain jumps right. to. And friend, especially from this time, because most gay guys, unless you're living in like that fucking the world we we see in cruising, most gay guys were living this repressed lifestyle. I, I told you like. This twenty years later, when Larry was working at the place, you'd have guys that would come to the come to the porno shop to watch gay porn because they're in their real life they're married with children. Right? No, it was so, it yeah. was a world where gays weren't allowed to exist. Right? Yeah. Why do? We... <laughs> Never mind. So all right, next morning, Steve right He's already got the apartment set up that he's going to be hanging out at. Pre furnace got all kinds of wrestling magazines in the closet. 
No, this was straight up hardcore gay You're porn. Right, it was straight Honcho, hardcore. Blue Boy, all of the shit. Guys bent over with fucking horse dicks hanging off them. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so he's like, and then I got me to thinking like, all right, we all know about, if you're straight, you know about woods porn, mm-hmm. which is where like magical leprechauns just leave porn out in the woods for young boys to find. Is this the gay version? Is it like if you just leave your, when you, you leave, you just leave, you leave your gay porn in the closet. Yeah. In the closet. That is a metaphor. For the next guy to discover. Well, Murray, I'll go ahead and sympathize with the young gay men out there then because it's just like, or empathize with that. That sucks for them. Because, like, look, we used to go to ditches and find porn, the thing we wanted to see when we were children. We wanted to see some boobies. We wanted to see some lady butts and not know what a vagina is. We wanted to see that. They don't get to find gay porn in the ditch. It's in the closets. Hidden away in the closet. But at least it doesn't have water damage from rain. No, they have, they're nice but pristine. If you said to 12-year-old Griff, you can have some water-damaged pornography or you can have no pornography, like, I'll take some water-damaged pornography. Well, yeah, but I'm saying is that's the one. There's benefits to being gay. And this is another one of them. But when you're you a find kid, it in your closet. You can't go into that closet. You're, that's not – we're not advising that kind of thing. So you just like – I will give – Pacino credit, he does a good job of being very awkward and uncomfortable throughout this movie. Yeah. And El, El Pacino, I'm sorry, El Pacino's role in this movie is going to be on a question here. Because it, I think he does a good job, and then at points I'm like, what is he doing? Well, he's, yeah, I don't know. It just, to me, he's super awkward, and it fits with the character. It, yeah, it really does. So he's kind of creeped out by these men. He looks through them, and he's like, I gotta, I'm going to throw this in the trash. Send this movie to all the Scarface, even though, Scarface fans. Even though this probably would be good cover for him. Like, yeah, just like display the gay porn all over his apartment. You know. But then again, is that tipping your hand a little too much? If you have gay porn displayed everywhere, like, oh, I'm totally gay. Look at all my gay porn. Like, that makes you look like a cop. So he's like, I got to get rid of this shit, throw it away. So there's a communal garbage can in the stairwell for some reason. Goes to dump it all in, and this is where we meet Ted, our non-leather daddy gay guy. As uh, we've kind of been talking about, this is a grim movie, and Ted is the first lay of ray of light. <laughs> lay of right. The little Freudian slip there, the first <laughs> lay of light. Oh, boy. Lay of right. And so we look up at Ted from the staircase, and he's standing up Opie there. Opie Cunningham-looking motherfucker, all-American. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, you can't put your magazines in there. You got to put them to the side. Yeah. The, the the landlady. Apart, yeah, the landlady likes to sell them. Right. And they they bond over it. He's like, wait, your landlady sells these? Yeah. It's like, yeah. It, she hasn't figured out a way to sell she, our, our old fucking uh, rib bones yet. Otherwise, she would sell those too. Yeah, it's like, that must be Bob's shit. Cause Bob, you in Bob's apartment? He's like, yeah, I just moved in. And then. So they like meet Q and he's just like, hey, you know, you want to go out and get some, uh, get, get a sandwich or some shit? You know, I'll introduce you to the, the area. Well, yeah, he says, I know the best coffee around. And he's like, oh, what what place is that? Oh, it's this little establishment fucking only in New York. You wouldn't know about it. You wouldn't know but about it's great. it. It's called Denny's. Yeah, this was early Denny's. This is the first Denny's that was in Grange Village. But think about, I'm sorry to bring this back around, but think about where our mechanic movie went. What was Jason Statham pretending to be? 
He's pretending to be a gay man to pick up a gay man with a chihuahua. I don't in, even remember that movie at all. Was that in the movie? Yeah. In <laughs> a Denny's. Or no, it was a Jason Statham. It was the little acolyte. I don't remember that movie at all. I put that out of my mind. <laughs> it's amazing. I guess I need to go back and listen to that episode. But that was their in with that guy that they were trying to put the hit on that Jason Satham put the underling, the uh, uh, Michael, J- Michael J. Vincent. J. Michael Vincent. No, J. Michael Vincent's in the good mechanic. He's not in the awful mechanic. You're right. I'm sorry. It was the weird. But no, I just meant the. he was the <laughs> young guy character. That's okay, all I meant. Enough, please. Yeah, I'm getting PTSD. About okay, okay, okay. With Statham. We're going to lunch, Murray. What a kind of sandwich do they have there? Tell us about that. That'll put you in a happy place. in New York. You get the Reuben, motherfucker. Reuben, motherfucker. And they're just loving it. And then uh, the, the topic comes up about this this gay killer. And like Ted's like, I'm. he's like... I'm too scared to even go cruising. Like, he's a very uh, wholesome gay guy. He works all night. He's a playwright. He's trying He's trying to be, like, get some plays started up. We learn he lives with his man, Greg. Greg's, yeah. Greg's out. He's a dancer. Great yeah. dancer. Provides for them. Yeah, he's working, he's, in, he's working on some show out of town. Right. And that's how they pay for their apartment and everything. And so Ted can be at home working on his play. He describes the play. He's like... It's not for the mainstream. I'm only doing it for money. It's like, wait, those two, two, two things don't mix. But he also is kind of realistic. It's like, they're not really that good. I mean, I'm trying, but, you know. Yeah, it, it's sophisticated, but it's not mainstream. Yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't get it, but they're, you know. So, yeah, so they kind of bond over that. And then Ted starts throwing out, like, yeah, there was another kill, killer just like this guy that didn't make the papers. And I'm glad I threw this line in here knowing where this movie goes. I'm sorry for the kind of a soft spoiler there. But it's just like, what's going on there? And then he goes on to explain, yeah, there's this Columbia teacher who got hacked up into pieces. And detectives, they showed up, asked a few questions about it, then never cared to follow up on it. Because gays in the 70s. Right. It's all right. Now Steve's finally going to go on his first cruise. That's right. Heads to the Ramrod. And he's like really like he's like trying to fit in, but he's pretty bad at it. All right. No, this is tough to do. We see like he's getting eyed up and down by everybody. We see a familiar face. Joe Spinell is hanging out in the Ramrod off duty. Off duty. And he's looking him up and down and then walks past. I didn't even notice. I'm, yeah. I'm so glad that you recognize Joe Spinelli. How can you not? The, the face. I just, there's so much. It's so dark. It's, ugh. So he's creeped out. He's like, I got to get out of here. So he leaves. And he heads down to his store. Well, he's got he's to bob into a place, get a water or a Coca-Cola or something, you know? <laughs> I I never knew. I when I saw this movie the first time about five years ago, I was like, "This was made up for the movie." Yeah. No, this is real. This goes back to the '60s. Very entrepreneurial spirit of this guy, played by Powers Booth. Totally wasted Powers Booth in this role because he has literally two lines. I I thought there was more. I thought he's going to show up later, but no, he's just in this one scene, and it's the bandana shop because. Obviously, if you're living a secret lifestyle, 
and you want to meet other people that are living, a, a, a leading a secret lifestyle, you need some kind of code, some kind of point you out. It's like it's like, it's like the right ear pierce, you're gay. Left ear, you're straight. That's right. But this is the bandana system. So we <laughs> looked this up because we're like, this has got to be made up for the movie. No, it's real. So we're going to tell you some real bandanas and what they mean in the world of cruising. <laughs> and again, I want to explain again something. I got my ear pierced when I was like eight years old. That's one year older than what my nephew is now, I think. And my mom told me you have to get the left ear because the right ear means you're gay. Yeah. That was something that is imprinted was, in my what, brain. When was, eight, so what, what year was this? Oh, uh, eight years old. I was born in 87. So what would that be? Like 94? 95. 95. That's weird because by that time, it was cool for guys to have both their ears pierced by 95. Big time. John claude had like earrings in that time, I think. And John claude was my inspiration for everything. Actually, no, we only had the one earring. What? That's why they call it Hard a, Target. That's why they call it Hoops Hageman because your hoop earring that you got because that of Hard is, Target. <laughs> that is literally... <laughs> How I started being called Hoops Hageman by this group of people. So, Griff, let's rail out, let's read off some of what these bandanas, what the color is, because they're all color coded and pocket coded. Correct. Ah, uh, correct. And so, let's start out easy, like a nice simple one, and then right. we'll, we'll progress. And I'll have you know, once I got my car back, I I, I just like Frit Friedker. Friedkin. Friedkin. I went out and did a little bit of my own research because I got my car and I went to the gayest place I knew just to figure out if, like, the code was still intact. 100% is. And I learned about some new ones, too, Murray. Okay, let's hear some. All right. So we have a dark blue bandana. Okay, what does that mean? Greek active. This is an old school one. This comes. That's the original. It's the OG bandana. This comes, that was just to point out that you're gay, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This comes straight. Like you've heard of the Green Book, that great movie with no. Liam Neeson in it. Yeah. Probably no, the greatest movie no. ever. Well, written. it's so great. Liam Neeson wasn't even in it. Who was it? Who's the guy? Viggo, Viggo Mortensen. Mortensen. It was a Lord of the Rings guy. Well, Liam Neeson's not in Lord of the Rings. He's not. No, he was in Star Wars. Oh, he's Qui Gon Jinn. That's right. Anyways. So Bob Dameron, uh, he wrote the address book for gays back in like the early '60s, and that that was kind of the green book, I guess. You for, could fit a for book it. with just these fucking at the time a dozen bandanas. There's a lot of different things that were put into this is, book. Is but it is folding it a certain way a code? No, I haven't seen anything about folding a certain okay. way because obviously me and you are intrigued by this. We love the like. Well, I thought because I thought it's, it, when I saw the movie, it sounded so ridiculous. But then I thought about it and I go, it makes perfect fucking sense. Oh, of course it does. When you're trying to set amongst a sea of squares, you're you trying stand to like out. not get killed. Basically, you're also trying not to get killed. You're trying to hook up and not get killed. Right. So yeah. Okay. So again, from D Bob Dameron's address book. This is the one written in the 60s, everybody. This is a long time ago. We have dark blue, Greek active, and that has to be in your left pocket. And so we're left to assume Greek active means... It means I'm gay, yeah. I'm, I'm gay. Yeah. And then, of course, the Greek uh, or the dark blue bandana in your right pocket means you're passive. 
Yes, there's very uh, the bandana culture. It's very dominant or submissive. Much based on your what pocket you put it in, left or right. Yeah. All right. So our next pocket, right out of Bob Dameron's book, mustard. So mustard. a yellow, a strong yellow. Yeah. You want to guess? We'll learn about that one later in the movie. You want to get? No, this is a strong yellow. This is not. Oh, this okay. is not a weak yellow. This is a strong yellow. <laughs> this is someone who's dehydrated. <laughs> Very dehydrated yeah. because they have a lot of inches to go through, Murray. This is for an eight inch or plus in wow. your left pocket. Size kings. Yes, this is for the Chippendale dancers. <laughs> okay. The people fucking swinging that horse dick around. And then, of course, the right pocket means you want that eight plus. Oh, okay, so so eight one one side means you have it, and the other side is you want. Left it. means I got eight plus. Okay, right means you want that eight plus. Well, what if I have eight plus and I want eight eight inches plus? What what do you do then? Both, well, both well, de- it depends on what you're feeling that night, Murray. You accessorize, uh, but of course, as you have told us. You put on three extra layers, and then you remove two, and that's what you're left with. (laughs) So these are the people, of course, who, as they are stripping down, they say, wait, do I want it or do I want to give it? That's got to be it, right? Okay. I I don't know. I'm not into that culture. Um, But let's go ahead with a couple more here. These are some more of the eccentric ones that we have found. Yeah, we did a deep dive into this before we started recording. So Bob Dameron, of course, left some things to the imagination, so these ones we had to find on our own. Right. We went on the dark web for these. That's right. I looked at one. Do you have a beige bandana graph? Never, never beige. You know what, I've read you all You know what them. beige means? Beige means you want to get married, go live in Vermont, Adopt two Chinese kids and spend your Sundays listening to NPR and doing the New York Times crossword puzzle. That's beautiful. And how do you do it, Griff? You don't do the pockets. You actually have it hang out of your fly wow. to simulate. I, I've, I'm, my dick is limp. <laughs> like I'm not even into sex. I just want a beige lifestyle. Oh, okay, okay. That's yeah. you know what? That's beautiful. That's kind of romantic. Yeah. That's kind of. You know, everybody, all the fucking square conservatives say, like, gays are just about fucking... Like, they, they see this movie and they see demons and Satan. But you just brought it up. It's like, no, gays also yeah, want to just is have quiet... Ted. Ted would totally be a beiger. Quiet, boring lifestyles, yeah, too. Exactly. And you know what? That's beautiful. Like, good for you. Go do that. Um, I learned about... Uh, or rather, not. I, I learned about this through doing our research, research, of course. Yeah. Oh, boy. The red checkered tablecloth. I'm not doing the beautiful thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got, I found some really sick shit, too. So. Yeah, 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 I know. Okay. Oh, man. And so the red table, this is what you see at the pizza restaurants, at Pizza Huts. Every time at I Hennies, see a, yeah. Every time I see a Pizza Hut commercial, I'm like, oh, God. Because it's left pocket, you're the feeder, and the right pocket, you're the gagger. And it's a feeding king. And it's just pounding whatever <laughs> food, I guess. And I was like, oh, what do you guys order? And it's it's like, not just Italian food. It's any food. It's any food. Well, there are people that yeah, are into that. Yeah, I don't know. So let me uh, tell you about a couple of more here. Straight out of Bob Dameron's book. Coral. Coral. 
Now, this is going to loop right back into my food thing here because – and it's uh, Golden Globe's favorite, of course. <laughs> well, no, not, not a favorite, I would say. We don't partake in this. Well, yeah, but we made it. We made our audience very aware oh, of it. aware of it, yeah. Shrimp. The left is the shrimp. You put in the left pocket. By shrimping, we mean toe-sucking. Toe-sucking. Yeah. So you put, your, you put that coral bandana in your left pocket – your toes are little shrimps waiting to be feasted upon. And then if you're in the right pocket, you're waiting for shrimp week. Not down at the Red Lobster, but down at the Ramrod. You're you're looking for that. God, that'd be disgusting in that bar. All those bars are sweaty as fuck. Yeah, Is that good? You know. You want sweaty toes? Well, that's the least of your worry at the Ramrod, what's on the floor. You know those <laughs> floors are sticky as fuck. Oh, Murray's got a floor story to tell us later. That'll come uh, next week. Yeah, I told you last week that. You got to go listen. Oh, you did? Yeah, 8 millimeter. Oh, guys, you got to go listen last week to hear the floor story. Oh, my God. That was fucking heinous. So, yes, coral is shrimping, of course. Oh, no. And this is one I personally have to be careful about because I, hey, I watch this movie. I enjoy this movie, but I'm not a gay man. But I do love corduroy. That's, and I wear corduroy often. Yeah. What is it about corduroy? Is it the sound it makes as you walk? Dude, I don't know. You see, when they told me I was... We're not even joking. Griff does love no, corduroy. No, this is not a joke at all, and this yeah. is not a joke either. When I was going into junior high, when I was starting my seventh grade of grade school, they told me you can no longer wear sweatpants. I only wore sweatpants. <laughs> I was an athlete. I only wore athlete, sweatpants. Yeah. And... And so they said, yeah, you have to wear real pants. And I was like, I hate fucking jeans. Oh. And so they, my mom was like, well, there's corduroy. And I was like, yep, those are the pants for me. And ever since seventh grade, I wear corduroy pants. I own one pair of jeans. I'm 36 now. I've owned one pair of jeans from 16. No, I was 14. I've owned one pair of jeans from 14 to 36. Good for you. Good for me. So, brown corduroy. This is supposed to be a bandana. It's not supposed to be pants as far as I'm concerned. In the left pocket, you're the headmaster. In the right pocket, you're the student. Oh. so It's kind of playing off the patches. School kind of role play. Yeah, yeah school role okay. play. Uh, Murray, please. Teenage th- nurse. What's that? Teenage nurse. Teenage nurse. Call back from the Ginty episode. Oh God, Jesus Christ, Murray! Uh, one of uh, one of yours that you. Oh, this again, one. This now we're getting dark. All right, a tartan or plaid, <laughs> as they say. This is a sex act. I've never heard of the sex act. It's called the fucky charms. Is what they call it. Do you know? You know the variety packs, the cereal you get, like yes. the little ones. You get one of Lucky Charms. You pour it in the guy's ass. Then the guy fucks you, comes, pours on the milk, as they say, and then he eats it out of your ass with a spoon. So if you put it on your left, that means you want to be the bowl. And you put it on your right, you want to be the eater. That. Yeah, fucky charms. That's fucking intense, man. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to be honest. This, this one is not from the Bob Dameron days because this, this didn't exist then. But while I was. I finally got my car back. I went out. I went and I, I did some field research. I wanted to go full. Fi- uh, Were you 
Cruising? I was cruising you're, for information. You were in your car. Look, we do method with this we, show every, sometimes. Every, you know what? This, we need to do something. We Every uh, August, we have something called the Dream Cruise here in Detroit. That's right. We need to cross this move. We need to get more of the gay community involved. Holy shit. Can it's, you imagine? And it ends, you notice it ends in Ferndale, which is where a lot of gay people live in our community. They have their own Dream Cruise that week. Oh, I bet. I bet. The Ramrod. Murray, does the name FC Richmond mean anything to you? No, not at all. So what I was noticing while I was down there in the gayest place within 100 miles of Detroit, Michigan, Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> that was the gayest place? It looked like every scene in this movie. Oh. Everywhere, every corner I turned, there was gays crawling up light posts and everything. It was crazy. It looked. I was like, "Did you guys win a fucking sports event or something? What's going on here?" Uh, but yeah, FC Richmond. So some people might recognize that it's from the hit show Ted Lasso. Apparently, because I I bought a guy a drink. Ted Lasso I, does have a mustache. I bought a guy a drink and I said, "Hey, what's?" What's going on with your bandana there? I know a lot about the bandana coat. What color is it? Well, it's the color of the FC Richmond Football Club. And that's okay. why it stood out to me because it wasn't like a normal bandana and there was clearly like some kind of crest going on in there. And I was like, what's going on there? Is this, are you just a fan of whatever it is? And he says, oh no, here's the thing. If you wear this in your left pocket, the FC Richmond. Uh, colors and flag and everything on a bandana, you wear it in your left pocket, you're a Ray Kent. And you won't know this. But Ray, Ray Kent is the dominant figure. He's the daddy. He's the stern dude with the fucking stubble. And he has no sense of humor. Then you rare. So he's kind of like the dominant, is what okay. I learned. And then you rare it in the right pocket. You're the mustache Ted Lasso. You take it and tell him it's the best time you've ever had. So, so it's, it's soccer role play? It's like vanilla, but it's like you want to fuck and talk about Ted Lasso, I guess? Wow. Ted Lasso, just everybody loves Ted Lasso. I know. I I don't get it. It's not a show for me. Like I, thought I literally okay. don't get it. I don't have Apple stream. Right, but it's just like, oh, okay. I mean, do what you want. That Jason Sudeikis, very talented guy. Whatever kicks you want. So, guys, before we exhaust you, we've only got a few more here. <coughs> the sickest ones possible. Anything can top fuck your charms. I want to hear it. Yeah. And these come straight out of, of course, Bob Dameron's book. Okay. Union Jack bandanas. Okay, we got to go there. We got to go yeah. there. You wear it in your left. You're a skinhead, and you want to be on top. You wear in the right, skinhead bottom. Simple as that. Is this a non-racist skinhead or a neo-Nazi skinhead? I have no idea. Okay. I don't know. I didn't get. I didn't get that method. We have with to, uh, you know, differentiate. There are there are sharp skins, skinheads, skinheads against racial prejudice. That's right. And then there are all the asshole ones that ruin everybody's fun at the hardcore shows. That's right. So you never know. And then, of course, Murray Brown. I know where you're going with this, I think. One of them, you wear it in the left, and you want to give it up. And the other one on the right wants to get it. I never got I never got poop in a situation like this. Yeah, that's pretty foul. But, yeah, there you go, people. That's just a 
taste. I'll give you a bonus one. Oh, my God. You got another one? Bonus one. Again, in Toledo, Ohio, gayest capital of the world. Mm. All the gays hanging out there. Great people. Great time. Black and white checkers. Huh. Is there something car racing involved? You would think car racing. No. Skanking. Skanking? I don't even... It's a ska thing, man. It's all these ska kids. So that no, stop! I don't even want to hear it. I you you've already disgusted me with research it on your own, figure it out. But man, that is a depravity. Like we gave you those last five. Oh, the lucky. What'd you call it? The lucky fucky charm. The fucky charm. Oh, too far. Too far. Too far. But man, if you want to look up the black and white checker, the skanky. Oh boy. All right, so yeah, this so this young enterprising man was just like this is this is a true American spirit. He's like, I see a world where people need bandanas, so I'm just gonna open my little shop right next to the ramrod, or it might have been the mine shaft. I yeah. don't know which. And I'm just gonna sell bandanas. And this guy could make a living in New York City just selling bandanas. That's for the American bucks. dream. For three bucks, green buy. Uh, green is a hustler. Right is a buy. Wow, we're giving people even more. Green is a hustler on the left pocket. Right is a yeah, buyer. Yeah, this is what the character played by Powers Booth. He gives you he gives you the the vanilla version. We gave you the full on. We gave you. And yeah, he says you know the blue one, which we already told you about. And then we learned that the green bandana means you're a hustler in your left. And if you're looking for a hustler, you put it in your right. Right. Oh, let's not get into yellow, but we have to because it plays into this movie. And I think you can. You're into water sports, basically. You like to be peed on, or you like to pee on people. Right. And maybe Murray put up the tweet that I gave him the... Maybe. Maybe. Um... We'll see. There's a nice light-up belt in that scene. So he does... He didn't... This is like a whole new world to Steve. So he's totally creeped out at this point. He just bails. Right. He's a, and then he I goes... gotta go home. Gotta think about this. And now he, he realizes, like... If I really have to, f- I have to find this guy. I gotta help my game because these guys, it's all about looks. These are, these are shallow people at this ramrod. You think they are? Of course they are. It's all Produce about Steve's looks. perspective from in this world. It's all about when it's all about just fucking. It's then it's it is about looks. You look. You think it's like the pioneer punk days where it was just we gotta look right. Well, well, obviously, yeah, there's a dress code. We yeah. learned that. Yeah, okay. So Steve first starts... Well, why was he even dying his eyebrows? I have no fucking clue. Like, that's the first thing he thinks about. Like, my eyebrows are turning that people That drove off. me crazy. I didn't notice it until my second watch, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Why? So he goes the next night with his freshly dyed eyebrows. He goes back to the place. And we're seeing... I love this scene. I love this shot because he's standing. He's just kind of trying to be cool in a place that he's uncomfortable in. He's standing his ground, and we're getting a first-person view of Steve's perspective. Yeah, and he's just – all these people are, like, looking him up and down again. Going from the left to the right of your screen very slowly, looking him up, looking him down. We get a, a ginger guy wearing a bandolero and what it was – and he's what? got a yellow bandana around his neck. Right. What does that mean? He likes a gargled piss? That's what I think it means. We see his belt illuminates. It's like Christmas lights. It lights up, lights down. And then he looks down, and we just see a close-up. 
of a jean pocket with a yellow bandana hanging out of it. And he he was very intense, dude. Like he's all business. He was. And he's like, so he sidles up to our boy Steve, who has that yellow man. He still hasn't figured. I did. Power Spoof didn't tell him what yellow did. Did, did he tell him what it meant? He did not. So he just he just said I'll, he just likes the color yellow. He's like, I'll take no, yellow. No, he fucking did. That was the incredible. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I totally forgot. It, we even read it back there. He tells him what yellow is. Is Steve Burns in his un, <laughs> you know his uh, naive you know, kind of way. He decides to put a yellow <laughs> fucking bandana. He wants, you know why? Because he probably, and that's the most extreme thing that Powers told him. Powers peep show booth. And so he's like, I got to, this is weirding me out. I got to catch the killer as soon as possible. So he's like, he goes for the most extreme, but as far as he knows. You know, you're right. You're right. That was it. He was probably thinking the and person. He's, he's probably, in the, yeah. The person who's into peeing has to be the killer. It's got to be. And this guy is a redhead, like you said. Yeah, so, so he's already a monster. He's a red herring, clearly. Yeah. And so he's just like, so, you like water sports? Oh, no, I just like to watch. And then he, the fucking outrage on this ginger's face. He just, he just fucking goes, take that fucking hanky out of your pocket. So, yeah, so the level of outrage red has for him daring... To wear the yellow bandana and not be in white. It's the, it's the level of, like, I don't know, putting up a movie review on YouTube and then people thinking it's the movie yeah. and then screaming at you. It's right there. Yeah. It's right there. This chicken sandwich has pickles on it? Why is it advertised with pickles on it? I want no pickles on it. it it's total care and energy. And I don't like that about them. But every... Every community has a fruitcake. Right. And Steve is shook. He just runs home immediately. But he's like, I got to fucking, I got to fit in more. So he starts pumping iron. He's got to get those fucking, those biceps pumping, dude. And he's working out. (sighs) This is where the movie takes on kind of like the montage effect. Because, yeah, he goes home. He's pumping. He's getting into it, by the way. Right. It sound, it's intense. He's, hoo-ha! Yeah. Many people think he came up with that for Ascent of a Woman. No, no. it started in cruising. He, th- he peppers it in throughout the movie. 100%. That was how he did his lifts. Hoo-ha! And then uh, we get to another gay club, and, you know, it's not quite working he's out. He's getting a there. little more comfortable. Yeah. He's, as he gets acclimated to everything, and then he's, like, hearing, hearing more and more and more about the other hangouts. Because, again... The gay seat in New York at this time is not just in the underground. It's not in the meat district. It's also in the parks. So for the first time, he, he heads to the park. Well, he does head to a club, and a guy just gives, oh, yeah, him, a, no. gives him a titty twister. Oh, you're right. This was, That was great. <laughs> that has to be talked about. Because yeah. Al Pacino's face at this time, he's just staring through the guy's soul. And it doesn't seem, it's not enjoyment. It's not like, stop. It's just, this is happening. And the guy's feeling up his tit. Right, but we and can. It, see, but but the, the the importance of that scene is that he's he's getting more acclimated to this world. Yeah. So he's not being that guy that cre- like scared. He's not being a Ted, you know, where he's like scared to cruise. Right. He's like, he's being the guy he needs to be to find the killer. Okay. Yeah. It, it's it's just impressive. I I also didn't think gays were so infixated with men's breasts. Well. I don't think they are. Do you but think that's a this, stretch? This is a movie. We can't show them grabbing a dick, you know. So it's like 
Just grab it. They wouldn't jazz. have to show. Mm. Okay. Anyways, we'll yeah. move on. Maybe maybe Al Pacino in real life would have been uncomfortable doing this. Right. I th- still think this scene works really well though, because you see his hand, je- you know, like grabbing at well, him. Well, also it makes sense as far as like the working out is paying off. Because the scene before that is him fucking doing some curls. Oh, you notice guys... all you notice all they do are curls in this yeah. fucking movie. It's all about the bicep with gays, and Bi- it is. Do you know how you can tell a gay guy now? Gay guys now love fitted tight fucking t-shirts so they can show off the fucking guns. Mm-hmm. Anderson Cooper loves wearing that shit when he's not wearing a suit. He always has the, like the most fitted t-shirts or, or polo shirts. Oh shit! Yeah. So yeah, so now he's like he's he's kind of getting acclimated. So he heads out to the park. Park's another place where there's a lot of hooks up. George Michael got busted at a fucking rest stop in a park. That's right. And he's just checking. They're all hanging out. This is like I said. This was this would have been too intense a scene for me. Like if I was walking in the park and it's just filled with leather dudes. Yeah, I would be like, whoa, where am I? Again, I would feel. Fine, walking through. I'd be like, oh, okay. These guys clearly—they're not looking for to menace. They're looking to fucking get their junk menaced, but not not like fuck with other people. But you said there was a familiar face in this. Yeah, scene. this Simone out cruising too. This is supposed to be a good cop with the wife at home. Ten years married. Right. Who hates gay people? Hates gay. I people. hate you so much. I'm gonna make you suck my dick. That's right. It's not gay if you make them suck your own dick. And he also does say... I swear, that's such a real like think, way of thinking. And it's so fucking... It's, like, it's, it's a prison way of thinking. Right. Like, as long as I'm the dominant one, I'm not gay. Right. It's so it's fucked up. So weird. Yeah. If you enjoy watching a man suck your dick, you're at least a little gay. You can be bi, too. You're a little gay. You like it. It's fine. That's fine. So Just the, admit it. The next day, Steve meets up with Captain Edelson to you know tell him what's been going on. Came up today, and he thinks he's got some leads. He's like, "Hey, I heard this guy Tony Tommy Mancuso. He owns the cockpit, the mine shaft. He owns all of them. I think that's a good lead." And then Edelson's like, "You mean Tommy the Joker?" Yeah. No, what the fuck? No, he. Everybody knows about him. Well, what is it about? I asked the question, so we don't even get to know about Tommy Mancuso, not Mancuso. Okay. He's, but yeah, we figure he's an employee. Because you know, what it is is, I think this is an allusion to, and this was this is what uh, Friedkin said in real life. All these clubs were owned by the mafia. Yeah. So that's like, don't fuck, don't go anywhere near that. We want the killer. We don't want you fucking with the mob. Right, because the owners of the place are probably just like, hey, this is the chance to make some fucking money. Well, yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Right, and it's like obviously this place is fucking banging every goddamn. They have a theme night every goddamn night of the week. You know how everybody? Well, you don't know office life, but Taco Tuesday, Wacky Wednesday, Throwback Thursdays, Freedom Fridays, Thirsty Thursdays. Well, yeah, they had to yeah. end those because people are getting yeah. too drunk on the job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all those theme days, they all come from. Gay club See, culture. See, pe- people didn't know how influential gay scene was. How you think you're just so straight? No, you're living a gay lifestyle. You're living the, the gay like the gays are just they're entwined in the American bloodline right. at this point. They're part of the culture. Except yeah. it. capitalism is at least thirty three percent gay. So, uh, <laughs> so Steve, 
you just blew my mind. I'm like, what the fuck? So Steve, back in the park cruising. He's like, that's an, that's his new lead. He's right. got to take a break from the clubs. Yeah, he met he met with Captain to get paid and to try to share some information. Well, actually, he's not his... here. This is where our killer is. A killer is out in the in the park. Right. This is where we first get to see his perspective. I don't. I, <laughs> this episode's been so long. I don't know if I even mentioned this, but I think I did mention it. But. The killer is played by different actors just to yes, fuck with your head. He so he, this is the thing. The guy, the guy who played Lauren, the, the victim in the first scene, he's playing the killer now in this scene. Crazy. So he's got a wig on, right? He must have. Yeah, because yeah. it's got long hair, and he yeah. had kind of sh- like Ben Stiller type hair. And like we said, everyone looks like fucking Al Pacino here. Yeah. So, so he, he's got the fucking outfit he had on from the beginning of the movie, the mirrored shades, the fucking policeman's cap, the leather jacket, and he's checking everybody out. And he knows- Are we at the park at night again? Yes. Yes. Okay. And he notices a guy, and he's like, hey, you want to go fuck? And the guy's like, all right, yeah, I'm into that. Right. So they and then the park, they just go out, and there's a, a certain area in the bushes where everyone's just fucking. It's also crazy because it's just like we saw Lauren. He beelined it to the man at the bar. And now we're seeing Lauren as the killer that we don't know of exactly because yeah. we don't see his face or anything. The guy beelines to him. He immediately knows who he's talking to and everything. I'm the gay guy with long hair and mirrored shades in the park and leather. And he somehow knows exactly who to, who to go to. That's crazy to me. But someone's clearly giving them information. That's how I'm watching this movie. Who's yeah. getting them there? But it's, but still, please. Uh, so he walks up. He tells them, like, let's fucking do this. Where are we going to do it? And he tells them, let's go further into the park. Right. So we're in, like, the walkways, the bridges, you know, where the white people, like, you know, do their frolicking. They go deeper into the woods. And this guy's already fucking in the woods. And then the guy, the victim, he just walks into this area. And he turns around, and the killer's gone. He's like, where are you, man? And then we just hear this whispering of this nursery rhyme. I forget what he said. We heard it in the first murder, too. We didn't mention that. But we heard it. He does like a sing-songy. He does two lines, everybody. And I don't recognize it at all, no. but... And and then he's like, where are you, man? What the fuck? And then out of nowhere, the guy just comes out and stabs him in the back, killing the guy. But Steve. Not much to linger on there, so we go back to Steve. Goes back, spends the night with Nancy, and he's trying to fuck the gay away with Nancy. He's just fucking the shit. He's giving the best fucking she ever had in her life. You can tell because the close-up is on Al Pacino's face, and... You can hear Nancy going wild in this. Right. And he's got his hands on the headboard and everything. He's, you see every fucking uh, like vein popping out of him, but his eyes say something completely so now, different. So this, now I'm thinking, no, no, now I think he's back. He's a repressed gay guy because he's like, I'm going to give the most, I'm going to give the most heterosexual fuck in my life. Like, I'm not gay because I'm fucking this pussy. I'm beating this pussy up. Right. And she is completely <laughs> emotionally invested in this, and he is a million miles away. Right. He's just staring off into space. Or one cock away. That's the thing. So you're thinking, like, is he thinking about dudes while he's fucking her? I don't know. 
So he sleeps over and they wake up. She makes him breakfast and everything. And he's like, oh, my God, thank you for breakfast. Don't ever lose me. Yeah, he starts acting super weird with her. Yeah. And, he, she, and she's like, what are you talking what about? What is it they say uh, with the fucking crazy uh, uh, people, narcissists and everything? That he, he was trying to just, like, swoon her with love and everything. Love and affection. bomber, yeah. He was trying to love bomb her. It's like he was trying to convince her and himself that he was still emotionally invested. Right. Well, you see feels, that? Did you I, see it? No, I, what I think is, there might be something to what you're saying, but I think he's he's losing himself in this world. But in a, but he's he's losing the mask that he wears. Like, he's his his true gay side is coming out. Yeah. And he's freaking him out. Yeah. Because he's like, I'm not gay. I'm not gay, but he is gay. So he's, yeah. he's struggling right now. I mean, clearly he likes puss. He might just well, be no, I don't think I don't know if he does. I think he's he's telling himself I like pussy. Okay, because he's so in the closet. He's just like, you know, yeah. He's just, I think that's what it is. Okay. And, so after spending the night, you know, try to figure out what's going on, telling Steve or uh, Nancy not to lose him and everything. He heads out. And he's going to chat up with uh, Ted. Yeah, they're hanging out again. Right. And Ted's telling him, yeah, my boyfriend Greg's coming back. The the, the the job fell through. And he's telling me. And I'm sorry. I'm on Greg's side with this. Because he's just like, I got to get a job now? Like, yeah, you got to get a fucking job, Ted. I get it. I get it. Like, Greg's response to it, though, was, I want to go to the beach while the summer's strong and get browned. Yeah. Well, so, he, well, if he's been the guy paying the bills for so long. Right. I agree with I still agree with it. But I'm g- trying to say, like, they're both trying to live like the luxury lifestyle, like the laissez-faire lifestyle. So I feel like Ted should be like, yeah, he gave this to me. I should give it back. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm on I, Greg's side. Yeah. Because like, Greg's like, I want to take some fuck a month off. You right. You know? You carry the burden. And he's like, right. I'm an artist. Greg's you know? an artist, too. <laughs> and he actually provided for you. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not feeling bad for Ted at all at this point. And that's when Ted starts going, I'm almost as angry as Bobby, the last guy in your place. He'd rage out on the door. at the, You know, he'd go to the bass, blow a dozen guys in an hour. I'm not that mad. Yeah, so is that supposed to be a clue? Like, is Bobby the killer? Is that like what we're supposed to believe? Like, maybe, or is it just they? Just, now that, that that's why it's frustrating doing the notes for these fucking movies. Right, I'm like, clue. is this pertinent? Because Ted is clearly a big character in this movie. He's not often in it, but he's there to be like a ray of light and like give us guidance into the gay culture and everything. And they're talking about this Bobby guy. Formerly occupying the room that John, a.k.a. Steve Burns, occupies, Blue's Clues. And it's like, what the fuck is going on here? I don't get it. And Steve's like, he sympathizes with uh, Ted. He's like, look, if I could help you out. And I believe he does. I think he really made a connection with Ted. And he's just like, man, if I could help you, I would. But I don't know what, you know, what to fucking do. Anyways, we're going to that night. Steve, again, hitting up the clubs. And he walks in and he... Immediately struck. He's right. he again. He's been getting into it. He's starting to kind of feel comfortable here, but then he walks 
down the few flights he of stairs. Still, he still doesn't know all the rules. Right. He uh, says, Lair, fuck off, straight out of 8mm, and he walks <laughs> into the club. And then he sees everybody's dressed like a cop. This would have drove me nuts, all the whistles blowing. Oh, my it's God. Obnoxious. It's an ECW wrestling event. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're going crazy with the whistles. I'd leave just for that. Yeah. But he's not. He's in his regular wear, the fucking button-down blue shirt tucked in, open, leather jacket. Right. Got the fucking aviators. And the bartender comes up and is like, it's precinct night. Like you're not, you don't, you're not, you're not meeting the dress code, buddy. You need to get the fuck out right. of here. So you know, there's learning. There's some rules to this fucking world. You know? Yeah. Again, they do a great job of set dressing all of these fucking scenes. You got gay dudes bent over. Lots of gay dudes bent over. Big boss man's in here. You got fucking dudes with nightsticks. One, the one night Joe Spinell's not there. Yeah, really. He's like, I don't want to take my work to where I have fun. Right, he is like, no, I want to separate pleasure from work. Right, and so I'm not all going... do. I don't want to do exactly. That. I'm not going to precinct night, <laughs> right. which is just insanity because he would just fit in so well. Right. But yeah, you get it all. It is intense over here. So he walks out. A guy notices Steve and follows him out, and he's like, "Hey, that bulge in your pants is a knife. Let's walk." And then, who is this? Is this Stewart? I don't remember. Is this Skip? I couldn't tell if it was Stewart. I thought it was Skip. I think it was Stewart. I, I'm pretty sure it was Stewart. You think so? Yeah. It was the character we haven't met, obviously. It was yet. too... The hair didn't match Stewart's. Because when I, I watched it the second time, I, I was looking... I think it's Stewart, but I'm not positive. All right. Because once again, that's what Friedkin's trying to do. He's trying to fuck with our heads. Like, you know, everyone, like, who is this? Here's the thing, though. And I, I, if Friedkin was trying to make it look like He Stewart, definitely does see Stewart in one of the scenes. Yes. Because he flashes back to it. 100%. But if he was trying to make this look like Stewart, the hair is wrong. Because Stewart's hair goes down to his shoulders. This guy's hair stops at his ears. I'm going to tell you why I think it's Stewart. Because I think... Because uh, Steve turns him down. He's like, not tonight. I think they're trying to like tease that thing, like, oh my god, he almost met the killer. Yes, and then they and then it didn't happen. It would make sense if he did it that way, but on second viewing, I was like, that's not that's not Stewart. Okay, I don't know, I don't remember. So Steve is like, I got it. He's feeling super gay tonight, so he's like, I got to get it out of me. You know, he's got he's like, fucking self loathing gay guy. Maybe mm. I don't know. So he goes right over to Nancy's, gets that blowjob from her, and he's just all he's thinking about is the fucking club scene. We get these flashbacks of like the club shit. So it's like, hey, he's fully immersed now. He yeah, he's got his the lady of his dream supposedly moved in with her. You know, he's been living with her, and now he's getting his cock sucked, and he's just thinking about precinct night, the whistles. <laughs> All he's hearing. Next day, we see it's a guy, just some random guy who's like a fashion designer, and he's in, he's at his uh, his store, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And he's getting ready to like meet up with his boyfriend, like they they in the Hamptons or wherever the fuck they stay. I thought it was secretary or something. I thought they had a relationship, but we Maybe. also see we. We meet a character we saw at the club, Skip, who just happens to be there. There we go. But he, they don't. It, they we just see him. They don't like acknowledge him. It's a it's a thriller. So right. it's just a face that you're supposed to kind of notice. You notice it on the second viewing. 
And they're like making plans to like meet up at a place. But he's like, yeah, I got to do some stuff first. So the guy gets in his car. Loads it up with all of his fucking like work shit in a convertible. And he's like, I got to get out of here. And then he's like, I got to get a nut, my nut off. We go from like 4 o'clock to 9 o'clock at night. And he's, he's driving in, by. He's and he's gay like, part of town. He's like, is that a fucking peep show? <laughs> I got I got busted nut. Sometimes you just got to bust a nut. So he's like, I'm gonna stop in there, get my rocks off, and then I'll be off. I'll, you know, you, you know, being horny makes you crazy sometimes. We told about the. He's in the cock smog, dude. In the cock smog. He's in the cock. You got a long night ahead of you. You're yeah. you're in the cock smog. It's like let's get out of the smog. Right, get let's- it out of my system, and then I can go on. I can be a normal fucking human being. You hear all these bitches talk about how they need to get the coffee before their people. He needs to get his <laughs> cock off before he's people. Before, yeah. yeah. So he's in there and he's walking by. It's like much. Well, I don't know. It wasn't like that because it would have been if Larry wouldn't throw the guys out. That's the that's the scene they would want to be in the in the place where Larry worked at. Right. Because it was very similar. That's that's what the place looked like. It was a very dark hallway with yep. these brooms, and but there are all these guys like hanging out, looking to yep. hook up. This is very eight millimeter too. Is that underground porn smut club? Goes smut in, club. goes into one of the booths, puts a quarter in. Guy, then the killer spots him, follows him into the room. Well, they they locked eyes before. Yeah, they did lock eyes before, and so there was kind of an acknowledgement. So let's point that out. Was first. there an acknowledgement? I thought there was because I have a story to tell you. I had a similar thing happen to me. Murray? I'm going to tell you this. I, I actually told you this story, but I'll tell the audience this story. Well, yeah, uh, of course. Okay. <laughs> I was in, I was visiting my sister in Seattle. Tacoma is where she lives. I was at a comic book shop, a place called O'Leary's. A fucking great comic shop. It, it was huge. It was a comic shop slash bookstore. Nice. So they in the middle, they had back issues, and they had books surrounding it. And then they had a upstairs where they sold like playboys and penthouses and there's a parrot there the parrot was terrifying because you'd be like looking through comics and then all of a sudden it would squawk like super loud you're like oh what the fuck (laughs) all right so i went there next door i swear to god i thought it was a books like a legit bookstore because it said like half off books and i was like oh i'll check that out i go in there turns out it's a fucking adult bookstore i'm like oh whatever went in wrong whatever i just went in but I was just, and there, there was, it had the fucking peep booth. This place was super grungy looking. Okay. I'm like, so I'm there like five minutes, like, all right, time to leave. Yeah, you you were doing the one of those things yeah. where you're like, oh shit, I walked in here. I got to at least like <laughs> right. be in here a minute. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, just the Midwest awkwardness that yeah. we all feel in the Midwest here. So I walk out. As I walk out, a guy walks in. We make eye contact. I swear, all I did, I gave him the bro, like, what's up? Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. just the mid again. Yes. The Midwest, right. like I, I recognize you as an existing human right. being. And then I go out to my car. The guy fucking follows me, runs after me, and he's like, "Hey, hey!" First, he's like, "Hey, <laughs> do you fool around? Do you fool around?" And I look at him like, "No, I don't. I don't, I don't swing that way." And, and 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 he just was he was totally it was no issue he was like oh okay and that was it so I, I here's the thing I was not bothered at all by the fact that the guy hit on me I'm gonna tell you what did bother me all right this is like I'm in my early twenties at this time I'm look 
I'm no male model or anything, but I was looking pretty good at this time, all right? right. I was in the best shape of my life, looked great. Had that rat tail climbing over your shoulder, the hoop ring in your ear. I look great. (laughs) This guy looked like fucking Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I was so out of this guy's league. I was offended that I was like, dude, seriously? And what, you think I'm going to like blow you or something like that? Like it was that he prob- offended. He probably want to suck your dick. Whatever. That offended me. I didn't care that he hit on me. I was offended. I was way out of his league. I was yeah. like, but they, I guess sometimes you've got to shoot for the stars sometimes. Hey, and like what was the worst that happened? You were like, hey, man, I don't swing that yeah. way. That was it. Yeah. And that I that's never- the kind of rejection that you could take if you're Carl Patton and Analuski. Right. Like a guy just being like, hey, no, I don't swing that way. No, that's easy. Yeah, this is no big deal. Like I don't. You take that shot. I mean, obviously, you grew up in the era where people were more comfortable with gay people, so you've never had an issue with gay people, right? I don't think. I know. I never cared. I had. Well, I mean, the thing was, obviously, I grew up in the ghetto where it's very macho world, and there is tons of homophobia in like the ghetto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. 100%. 100%. My sister's best friend was a gay dude, even though he, he didn't come out till he was like 30, but he was you can t- 90% of the time you can tell a gay person's gay. Yeah. So he was obviously gay. So I've known the guy since I was 10 years old. So I was always whatever. I never gave a shit. I didn't, yeah. you know. That's the best thing for people, too, is to just be exposed to. Everyone needs a Ted in their life. Yeah, exactly. Because everyone thinks everyone's like the, the crazy fucking fisting leather dude we see in these movies. And I think that's why the gay people were so upset about this movie being made because they're like, you're going to paint us all as these guys. I get that. I get that. And the majority of us are like Ted, just a normal everyday. We just want to be in a relationship. Right. You know? Like, it'd be like doing a trans movie today if you had a psycho killer in the trans community. Which we they- might have next week. <laughs> Look for that. Oh, but- boy. <laughs> 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 we'll but- talk about that, though. Yeah. We'll obviously do it with... Yeah. Careful, modern We've been doing hands. this five years. You can yeah, need to trust come on. us. By trust now. us. So, where were we in the movie? We got, oh, oh, we're in the we're in the peep booth. Before we even get there, you brought it up. But my last gay experience with a gay man was just like. <laughs> well, let's, let's word it a little better. Your last gay experience. Your last experience with a gay man. Okay. The way um, you're wording it is, you had gay sex. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Uh, my bad. Uh, so I was over. I was seeing a band that only because shows stop coming to Detroit. So sometimes you have to go over to the west side of our state, That's, which is a three-hour no drive. Makes no sense. Detroit is the spot. Detroit is finally, literally, my first time in my life making a legit comeback, and nobody plays Detroit anymore. Right. It pisses me off. They're playing Grand Rapids if they play Michigan at all. So this is four or five years ago, and I drive over to see one of my favorite bands. I have to stay the night there because it's a three-and-a-half-hour drive to get over to the west side of Michigan. And so I'm staying over there and everything, and it's a good show. Uh, Girlfriend I recently broke up with is there at the show. So, you know, we're, yeah, we'll leave that out of it. I had a situation like that, too, where this was a seated position, and Coincidentally, we were seated next to each other. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah, so we were friendly still, so it was not a big deal or anything, but... I was not friendly. I was like, we're up at the front of the stage, and this gay dude, clearly drunk. I don't know. Maybe he was doing some whippets. Maybe he was getting his <laughs> some, backside some ready. Poppers. Some poppers yeah. getting ready. He was having way too much fun. I was... Literally staying across the street, so I was I had some drinks and everything. So this gay guy's dancing all over the place, and he keeps he had a boa, 
like that level of gay hulk hogan <laughs> gay throwing a boa over me and i was just like i don't give a shit so I'm just like dancing around. I, would, and I mean, I wouldn't like that if they were straight, gay, or whatever. I'd be like, get your fucking bow off. Yeah. yeah. I, like, this guy clearly knew I wasn't banging him that night. So I'm just, you know, going along, glowing along with everything. But that was the first time I saw a guy climb the stage and just try to hang out with the band. And he just got removed. He was just gone for a good 45 minutes. And then he showed up and he was just like hands in front of him. <laughs> so that's it. All right, so we're in the people. The guy puts on a movie. You get a lot. I I don't know because I never was in the people's where Larry worked, but I assumed it would be like thirty seconds for a quarter. It, it's, because how how if you really want to jerk off, it doesn't take that long. And I figured they'd want to get as much money out of you as possible. This was a this guy got a lot for his twenty five cents. I it feel, went on for a while. I feel like it would have to be you know like you got to have some build up though, right? They just want your money, so they're going to give you the tiniest amount of time as you can. Okay. My guess well, would be thirty seconds. This went for like a good minute. Okay. You got more value in New York for your do- your quarters back then. I didn't. <laughs> Thank I you. Was, this was a dark room. I was confused. Were there two seats next to each other, or was the killer standing? I couldn't tell. I couldn't make this scene out. Like we could investigate. Well, it. Well, no, no, yeah, yeah. They had to be sitting together because. Because the guy, the victim, gets up and then he goes to blow the killer. Okay. All I know is I heard that zip, and it was a long, like, from a, a giraffe's throat <laughs> to the leg zip. Zip. And he goes down on, he goes to go down on the killer. Yeah. And then the killer just stabs him. Right? That's how we got it. Okay. And then, and then. Like, I think he just puts the guy in the chair, and he goes, you made me do that. And he puts another quarter into the... Did we hear you made me do that in some of the other killings? Both of them? I don't remember. I just remember this I know we saw it in the part killing. Okay. So two killings in a row. I don't remember it. I remember him sing-songy in the first killing. I don't remember the sing-song in these two killings, though. Yeah, there was no. Yeah. So, again, it's like, is this the same guy? Well, yeah, because, yeah, that's, I think that's what Friedkin was going for. In fact, that was what he's going for, because he said in the IMDb. He wanted to give the idea, and, I th- and this is why I think it would be offensive to gay people, that there was more than one killer, which would give if, to the, the, the illusion that all gay people are crazy killers, or, yeah. you know, or at least the ones that are into the leather type stuff, which you know, obviously isn't true. But that's what, I mean, yeah, that's what I think Friedkin, no, I know Friedkin was doing that. It was kind of like maybe there isn't there is more than one killer out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a copycat killer. You know. Right. Yeah. All right. So Steve goes back to his his gay apartment. Of course, his undercover apartment. Yeah, and he hears Greg is finally back in town, and he's arguing with Ted, and he fucking bugs out, which I don't blame him because that would get on my nerves too, listening to people just scream at each other. Here's the other context to it. Who do you know who bicker? Straight couples. Yeah, couples. So if you don't know any better, you're just like, these are. this is a straight couple arguing. So it's trying to say, like, gay couples are the same as straight couples. Like, Right. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That, I, so I, I, th- I, this is what I'm trying to say. Like, Friedrich seems to do the gays justice here. He's trying to be like they're normal people. They're just yeah. trying to live normal lives. They have a gay scene, and that's fucking awesome for them. We wish we had that fucking cool SC. 
wouldn't you want to go down to a bar with a bandana in your pocket that just said, I want to fuck you this way, and a girl would be like, I want to fuck you that way. And that was like it. Like I said, I said at the beginning of the episode, there are some benefits to being gay. Everyone acts like this country's on the negatives. You can get fucked anytime you want. Right. Well, and no, at that time, there was that. And no fucking bullshit. It's just like, you know what I want. I know what you want. Let's do this. Yeah. You know? Okay. So he just leaves. All right, what's up? What's Captain Edelson up to? Well, he has to see his boss, the, like, the, like the police commissioner. And he's like, look, I want you to solve this fucking case. I don't care who you pin it on. The fucking Democratic National Convention is happening. I want it cleaned up by then. Right, because you know those Democrats. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know them. Yeah. They're ruining America. That's right. And he's like, if you don't do it, you are fired, motherfucker. So... so- uh, the captain goes back to his head office, and he's just like, fucking Christ, I need a break. And they, hey, captain, we got a print on that quarter in the beep booth. We're going to get our killer. It's like, yes. All right. Now Steve is fully immersed in the fucking lifestyle of the club. He hits the club. He's got his fucking wife beater on. I don't think he, did he have a white feeder? He was wearing, a he white, was wearing feeder. the white feeder, yeah. and he hits the bar, and you see him. Of course, this is where EDM started. Techno didn't start. Techno was in Detroit, of course, but EDM is here. He's vibing at the bar, and you see him. He's fucking feeling it. He looks to his left, and everybody else is looking well, not, at it. Not yet. He's feeling it, but he's not dancing yet. He's just walking in. Well, no, no. Yeah. He's not, like, fully dancing. He's just kind of doing a little body movement. Just he's like loosening up, finally. He's loosening up. You see that. He's like... He took a popper, probably. He's not in- uncomfortable around uh, the gay people anymore. Right, because he's, like, friends with the bartender now. Yeah, he knows ta- him. He's got friends here. He's chatting with people. Right. And then he looks... Joker's on the left, fucker's on my right. He looks to his Fister's right. On the right. <laughs> there we go. Oh, I missed it. I was so close. Fister's on my right, and there we yeah, see this is, Freddie that Mercury. Is so ridiculous. We get a guy like in some kind of fucking apparatus. Forty minutes cut. Not this scene though. We see this is called doing a Caligula. Straight out of Warriors of the Wasteland. Got fucking a guy just greasing his fucking fist up. And clearly someone in front of him, there's X like railroad spike pillars that he's it's chained in, it's to. It's intense. It's intense. And, and this guy just goes to fisting on this Freddie Mercury looking dude. And it's so ridiculous. I'm sorry. No, I don't, Freddie Mercury is the fister. He, well, and they're, they're, I don't know. There's so many mustaches. I was confused. At this well, he's point. the one with the white feeder, the mustache, and the red bandana. Okay, look, 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 look. I refuse to believe anybody, man or woman, is, en- is enjoys being fisted. Yeah, it's gotta. It's, it's gotta, like it's like a woman having an orgasm by in childbirth. Like, that's basically equivalent. You're getting instead of something up, like this big coming out of you, it's going into you. Uh huh. What's the weird? What, what, do you, what do you understand about that? No, no, no. A baby would be the same size as a fist. At least the head would be. No, I know. I just... And I, you don't see any women getting off on giving birth. Right, right. So why would women get off on being fisted? I think it's just these people that got to be so... I'm so extreme. Right. I'm so intense. No, I think it's definitely the jackass spectacle of it. Like, oh, yeah, a full fucking ass or fist up my ass or something. And it would be even worse if you're getting fisted up your ass. Yeah. I I don't know. But this guy's loving it. 
And so I was like, this is so ridiculous. And then we see a guy just goes up to Steve, care to dance, and just grabs him and drags him on the dance floor. Well, you see that same intense look he had when the guy was, like, groping his tit earlier. Like, a, I don't know, a couple days before or whatever. But he's got his hand in hand. And they're both flexing together. And he's just like, I belong on the dance floor. And so Steve goes well, out Well, it there. helps that they must have, like... Dip the fucking bandana in some kind of well, drug. No, clearly, clearly, because he, fucking Steve, just huffs this bandana. There's the guy, the guy who's dancing, dragging him to the dance floor, is huffing, and Steve doesn't want to break character, so he goes out to dance, sees the guy huffing on it and having more fun. So Steve huffs on it. He's getting more into. And the then scene. he just goes hoo ha, and then he's into it. And I'm watching the scene, and I'm like, am I watching a gay leather bar dance scene, or am I watching a fucking hardcore punk mosh pit? I mean, that's the same yeah. fucking vibe I got right. off of. Right. There's it. more zoom-ins on Gene Butts probably with bandanas than the, I would The leather bar was probably a little less gay than a hardcore mosh pit, because there's just it's just... It's intense. The <laughs> amount of hugging that happens in a hardcore mosh pit, the sweat that's oh happening, the hard Ugh. male nipples There's happening. so much homoeroticism in the mosh pit. Now, Murray, something I never questioned until just this very moment, are they trying to say that he was coaxed into being kind of a gay sympathizer by, like, he was pulled into it, and then he was drugged, and then he was having fun. I mean, we had a scene previously where it looked like he was like, I'm getting my cock sucked by my favorite lady, but... I'm thinking but about something this, else. But yeah, this is like I said, this is the main question of the movie. Now it seems like he's becoming gay because he's around gay people. Yeah. Which is it? Is Chicken what, or the what egg. are you trying to tell? I mean, obviously you don't become gay by hanging out with gay people. No. We know that. But no. what is the director trying to tell us? Yeah. Is he trying to say being around gay people makes you gay? Or or is he just a repressed gay guy who's finally accepting his gayness? Right. And Joe, 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 we would love your input on this because this is what we would have. There's so many questions to dwindle on all day. We're not implying that you're gay, Joe. No, no, not at all. We're just curious because you wanted to do this movie so bad. It's just like I I imagine you had input on these type of questions. Uh, But, yeah, because, again, I go back to the fucking blowjob scene. He's clearly he saw it. His eyes were opened. Well, yeah, but they're 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 hammering that home because he's literally having flashbacks to the precinct night. Yes, he's so, not thinking about her at all. Exactly, and yeah. he wasn't quote unquote pulled as we saw him get pulled into the dance scene here. Just fucking this guy, just he's into both bodies. He's just struggling, and then when he says that later on in the movie, yeah. All right, next night, Steve's at the bar again. And he notices this guy, Skip, who he thinks might be the killer. Yeah. Because he, he asks the bartender, he's like, what's up with that guy? Yeah. He, doesn't, he, doesn't Skip... That happened, that happened the night he got pulled onto the floor. You know what? We're going to go back. You're right. It was it not Stewart. It was Skip that he had that, inter, that, that meet up with. Thank you. Yeah. Thank Be- you. Because he had that. Yeah, he, had he turned him down. Yeah. He's like, I want to fuck you. And he's like, no, not. Tonight. And so before he saw the fisting and everything, he looks across the bar and sees Skip 
looking back at him. Right. And he yeah, asked that's the, what you're thinking. Yeah. About. And then he asked the bartender, what's up with that guy? And he's like, he's this, he's this crazy guy. He's fucking always starting fights and shit. Right. And he's like, that might be the killer. So, yeah, that's what puts it in Steve's mind that this is a guy I should be keeping close tabs on. And so then we go to the next night or something. We're outside the Meatmongers, uh, you know, facility, the warehouse, the district. And Steve's in a police car with other police officers, and he points out that's the guy. Right. And so Lafransky, he's with Lafransky from the beginning of the movie. So he's like, I got to go to my boy Da Vinci, who knows everything that's going on. So he meets up. Da Vinci's like playing three card Monte on the street with these, these hustlers. And he's just like, hey, do you know this guy? And he's just like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. He's, does, he, does he know where Skip is? Does he know who Skip is? I don't even remember. Um, yeah, he does know Skip. He's like, he works over at that steakhouse. The, yeah. The Iron something or other. The, uh, yeah, the Iron Horse. Iron Horse. Horse. And he's like, and he's like, hey, I got some more info for you. Apparently, some guy like hooked up with some dude, and he was like doing nursery rhymes or some shit. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, whatever, whatever. Like they just blow off Da Vinci. Da Vinci's giving them all this fucking relevant info. And right. Like, whatever, we'll handle it. Again, somebody from a, a scene they're uncomfortable with, they just completely shoo them off. Don't try to listen to them. Don't try to fucking work with them. And next thing you know, we're with Lafransky at the Iron Horse and another officer, male officer. Right. Played by, did you recognize him? I didn't. Al Bundy, Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill? No yes. shit. I should have recognized him. Well, he was really skinny at this time. And he yeah, had for hair. real. For real. So, yeah. And they know... They 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 know that this, the guy's using a steak knife or something. I don't because that whole thing is to get one of the knives. This scene is very uncomfortable because the two of them walk into this restaurant and they make it seem like they're a couple, and so the two officers are uncomfortable with it. Did you not get this from the scene? No, I just because I hundred percent got this I from did. the scene. I thought they were just two guys going to have a dinner together. They, they were weren't. they were weird about it. They sat next to each other instead of across from each other. So there's a whole lot of weird vibes going on here. I didn't pick up here. on that at all. I thought, you, they, I thought they were just being weird because they were watching Skip. Yeah. Skip works there. It might have been that. It might have been this other. Like, I kind of like this movie because there's a lot of questions, and obviously we love our questions. But, yeah, they sit on the same side, and next thing you know, they're all like, like the them ordering the steaks is what put it over the top for me because they were ner- like I'll have a steak, like they were guessing like what do you guys even serve here, steak? I thought they were trying to get a steak knife that Skip touched to get his prints. Maybe, good, good. That, that I don't know, but they did get a knife, and then they go to the ME with it. And he's like, yeah, this could have been used in the killings. Right. It has serrated edge or some shit right. like that. They did a whole montage Murray was kind of alluding to where they show everybody cutting their steak, yeah. and they're noticing, like, shit, that could be the knife. And the captain tells, like, Steve about the knife. He's like, keep an eye out for a guy carrying a steak knife. <laughs> <laughs> so now Steve's like, I, I, Steve is pretty sure it's Skip. 
Right. Because they're like he's got he, he has access to the knives that were used in the murder. He's got a mo- he's got a history of violence apparently right. according to the bartender. So they said they're going to set up a sting where he's going to hook up with Skip, go to this this uh, apartment where he's wired and everything. Right. And they're going to bust this guy. So Steve takes the guy upstairs as John Forbes. And they get up there and you know you go down to the police and they have, you know, the radio and the headphones and everything. They sled up the radio on the top of the hood of the car and they hear him clear as day saying, like, you want me to tie you up? And the audience here is like, well, I'm not really into that kind of thing. Yeah, like Skip and, is like creep because uh, Steve is the one pushing the tie me up shit because he yes. knows that's the M.O. of the killer. Right. And Skip's like, what? This is weird. I'm not into this shit at all. Right. No. I, I, like, if like, you want me to, I'll do it. But like, he's like, not I guess into I'll it. go into it if you're into it, but I'm not very comfortable with this. I, and so you're hearing everything that makes him not sound like a suspect. But the police downstairs, they get radio interference and they just freak out. And they call everybody upstairs. Well, yeah, because well, they, they're worried Steve's going to get killed. So they rush up there, and they knock on the door. <laughs> they rush up there and knock on the door. And then Skip answers like, yeah, and they bust in. And we see Steve hogtied naked. And he's like, no, what? You, you, you came in too fast. No, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, all right, now this is my favorite scene in the whole movie. Dude. Seriously, guys, watch this movie. This is a good movie. This is one of the best scenes I've ever seen, period. Because, you know, you think you've... And I'm sorry. Nothing can surprise you now, and you're like, you're more... This is the moment. Pause it. This is better than (laughs) endings of movies. This is is the scene. Pause it here. Skip ahead 30 minutes, because we'll be talking about this forever. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, no, this scene's amazing. So, Steve... And Skip are in an interrogation room. They're still playing like Steve's not a cop. And they're like, you know, interrogating them. And like Skip's like, I don't know what you're talking about. We were just hooking up. He, he, he cruised me. I didn't cruise this guy. It's his fucking hotel room. He was the guy who picked me up. And Yeah. And he's like, what's the deal? So what? And then <laughs> the door opens up. This huge black guy looks like Jim Brown. Just wearing a chalk strap. Cowboy hat and cowboy boots. He had a bolero tie, too. <laughs> I think he had a bolo bow, tie. Bow tie, bow tie. Bolo. And he just walks up to Steve and slaps the taste out. He doesn't say anything. He just slaps the shit. Steve goes flying out his chair. And power slaps. Steve gets up. Steve, the <laughs> undercover cop. Who the fuck is that guy? Al Pacino has not emoted in this movie <laughs> until now. So it's like. Does he fucking know? And so Skip... He just slapped the hoo-ha out of me. Skip is sweating. Meanwhile, Black Cop just walks out the door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. doesn't react at all. There's two different doors. There's left door (laughs) and front door. And he goes out left door. And you're just like, what the fuck? Steve is going, what the fuck was that? And then they're like, yeah, get in that room. And they shove him in that room. Yeah, they're like, we're going to separate these guys now. And they take Steve into the fucking room where the fucking cowboy is. Yeah. And then they look, go over to Skip, and they're like, we're going to give you the floating ball no, trick. No, no, they didn't say anything. They just, they like, they separated them. And then Steve is like, what the fuck? So the, the black cop's in the room, reading a paper in his jockstrap. He's like, what the fuck was that? He grabs his hat, throws it out the window. He's like, what the fuck? These guys, no reacts at all. All right. 
the, apparently, according to IMDb, this black guy was a, a real cop, <laughs> and they would do shit like this in real life to have like plausible deniability if you, you've roughed up somebody because if they complained yeah. and someone someone came to like a judge and was like, yeah, he was wearing a jock strap and they'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. A cop wearing a jock strap and you know, get the fuck out of here. The details would work against you. Yeah. You know, it'd be implausible. There's like no way a cop would do that. Right. You know, so, yeah. But no, they did tell this to Skip. No, no, this is later. They're like, because they're at this point, they're like, I don't care if Skip is, is the guy or not. We need to close this case. Yeah. So, yeah, they all of a sudden they become gay finder general where they're like, they do the witch test. We're like, we're going to, we're gonna, first of all, a guy, guy comes in, is like, I'm going to take a sperm sample. <laughs> they're going to make him like jerk off in front of them to get the sperm sample. Yeah. Because they know that he, he he's shooting blanks. And then that's when Ed O'Neill says like, yeah, we're going to do the test. We're going to fill up a sink with water, put your balls in them, and if they float, like he's a witch, if they float, you're the killer. Don't float. Don't float. Don't float. Because apparently if they don't float, <laughs> it means you, you're shooting blanks. Uh, this is what I learned from this movie. And so, you know what? That's science now. So guys... If your balls don't float, don't worry. Come in every woman you want. You're shooting blanks. So they took a sperm sample, and they, they saw that he does. he's not shooting blanks. So they're like, he's not the guy. <laughs> so the commissioner's like, he's not it. Lafrensky's like, I can I can beat him out of I can beat a confession out no, of him. Yeah, Lafrensky, who we thought would, well, I don't know what the thing. Again, it's, it's such a grungy movie. You're just like, this guy fucking suck or what? And this is the moment where it's like, he fucking sucks. Because clearly Skip is innocent. And he's just like, well, give us like five more hours and this guy's going to confess. Right. You, we get that cowboy back in the room. They put the cowboy in the room with him. And he was just like, oh, my God, yes. What what I do? I did it. That's all it takes. And the chief of police is like, no, let him go. We're not going to fucking pin this murder on him. So now Steve goes back to Nancy's. And she's, she can feel his whole vibe is different now. And yeah. She's like, you have you, you rarely see me anymore. Like, are you attracted to me anymore? Is he turned off by me? And he's trying to go into the whole, this job. It's getting this case. It's getting to me. It, I just and then he grabs the orange juice. Orange juice. Orange yeah. juice. Everybody. What does that mean? Well, only gay people drink orange juice. With pulp. Oh shit. Is that true? Oh. And so he, that's what you told me. So, yeah, he just leaves. He's just like, it's getting to me. Meets Appar- me. Oh, well, Murray, upon second viewing, she's like, we should be apart, from a while, apart for a while. Yeah. And he slams down the orange juice, and he's like, maybe we should be. And then she said, Steve, wait. Never mind. And then he leaves to meet up with the Captain Edelson. They're like at, they're at the subway station. And he's like, look. That was he's still I mean good continuity he still has a split lip from getting slapped by the cowboy he's got a fucking bruise across his face from and that cowboy and he's like that was fucked up what you do that skip guy he obviously didn't do it I, I could have told you that well, I don't know why you were fucking doing that and then he, this is where he breaks down he's like there and this co- is what once again we're back in that world is freaking trying to say being around gay people makes you gay because he's like this is changing me. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck is happening to me now. I'm getting creeped out. I need to get out of this fucking yes. case. And he's like, no, we're, we're almost there. You're in. You're going to do it. He starts guilt tripping fucking Steve. He's Big like, time. 
And he's just like, I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't handle this shit. And he's like, look, the, the one Columbia professor. We brought him back, uh, brought, brought him up way earlier in the episode. Right. He's just like. Thriller month, everybody. Here's the, here's the yearbook for the past two years. It's got to be one, maybe one of his students. We already went through. We checked off. All the students that have a connection to, you know, like some kind of relationship or a class with that teacher that was stabbed to death. Just look over it. Tell me if you recognize anybody from the Ramrod or any of those places, and that maybe that'll be another lead. So we see Steve looking through it, and he notices a guy. He's like, yeah. He flashes back to the club. He's like, yes, I've seen that guy. And it turns out it's a guy named Stuart Richards. And you think that was the guy who chased him after precinct night? No, I, no I'm going back to. I think that, no, that was definitely Skip. That because, was Skip. Yes. Oh right, right. Because, I'm sorry. Yeah, because it ties back in. No, so, it, yeah. you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. But so he phones up the the Columbia and he's like, starts, so he bullshits like he's you now he needs to like get the address from this guy like oh he's student loans some kind of bullshit thing, right. and he gets the address. And we then just cut over to Stuart, and he's just running. He's coming back. He's clearly, I mean, he's thin as shit, but he's, you know, he's no Adam Cole. He's actually got some physique to him. <laughs> well, because he loves fucking curling. He loves That's the curling. Thing. Gay guys in the bicep. That's he's, their, he's got, zone. He's got the fucking cardio, and he curls the upper body. Right, and he's just like hanging out curling with his roommate. I'm assuming it's his roommate. I don't know who this it guy is. It wasn't. It was just an apartment mate. Okay. And they're talking about he's just like man, I got. He's one of these classic like rich kids. That just never wants to work. He just wants to stay in school. He's bitching about that. He's like, my dad's telling me I got to get a fucking job. You know? I, no, he's like, my dad's trying to get my his car back for me. Yeah, he figured out that I don't have to drive his car across the street to the university library. So I don't I don't need his car for the whole fucking summer. And then Paul's there like, well, you can call me daddy all summer. And he's just like, don't call me Stewie. Because he called him Stewie. He said, Stewie, you can call me daddy all summer. The, his roommate played by... Not I, roommate. Whatever. What okay. Apartment mate. Whatever. Too close. Too close. This is a big deal. It's a thriller. He, Paul, played by... I want to say he, he was... Rucker Howard's friend in Wanted Dead or Alive. Okay. Remember that? He was the guy who was like jealous of the lifestyle that Rucker Howard lived where he had his basketball court in his like warehouse room and he was like riding his motorcycle around. I'm pretty sure that was the same guy. I think it might have been. And so these are the details you only get in Golden Globes That's Gold right. Theater. So, okay. So now we just see Steve watching and watching and watching Stuart. Right. We learned that big detail about Stuart. My dad's going to take my car away and that he's going to study and that he's in music theater. I mean, he's Yeah, he's doing his thesis on music, American theater music. Some shit. What else, Murray? He smokes cigarettes and he's in good shape. Hmm. Strong enough to stab a guy multiple times. Thank you. And he has no sperm. I don't know how we learn that, but we just learned that. We don't learn that. I thought Paul was like looking at his sperm under a microscope and said, look, <laughs> this is no... If no- there was a scene where Paul hooks up, or uh, <laughs> Steve hooks up with him and like gets a jizz on his face and takes that to, 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 to the evidence lab or something, that would have been great. So this... 
okay, this went on a little too long. This is where the movie really starts to drag, where we're just watching Steve watching Stu. Yeah. And then Stuart goes out to go to class. Steve breaks, goes up to the fire escape, breaks. He like there's like a fan in the window. He pulls it out. Go starts griffing through everything. Finds Every his photo. finds his secret leather daddy. I got you know what this reminded me of? Judas Priest. No, the the first issue of Watchmen. Oh, where, where Rorschach is investigating the comedian's yes. apartment, and he finds the secret closet that has all his leather fucking gear. Yes. In it. This I, I wonder if Alan Moore was watching this movie. He might have been because yes, he finds his secret leather daddy closet and it's got all the shit. And then there's a box of letters, and he sees it's written to the same guy, John Richards, and they've never been mailed. They're just in, and he's, he starts reading it. And this is where he starts thinking this got to be the killer because he's describing weird shit, seeing dark shapes and all yeah. this weird shit. Right, it's a manifesto in poetic form, and he's just like, "This is too." Weird. And then we cut to Stuart just sitting on the bus, reading a paper, just hair slicked back, looking like a normal citizen. And then he, he it's, again, another headline of homo killer on the loose. He puts his paper down, and he's kind of, like, thinking about something. Steve is doing the worst surveillance because he's no. making it pretty obvious. He's not doing surveillance. <laughs> he's doing fucking I'm watching you. He's right. mean mugging this He's motherfucker. He's literally doing the thing where he like points to his eyes and then points to him. And points yeah, to his eyes. he might as well be because he's staring him down. Steve notices him, and then we just follow Stu back to his home, feeling incredibly uncomfortable because some guy just stared him down on the bus. Right, and he sees fucking Steve watching him outside his window. So then he notices that that fan had been tampered with. It's like not put in properly. And then he goes immediately goes to his fucking leather daddy closet, sees it. Fuck it. I mean, Steve didn't even try to like put the shit back. It was all like open and shit. Right. It like the letters were in there perfectly and everything. Now they're scattered all over the top and all that. So it's like Stuart knows something happened to my shit. And maybe that I think that's but I think that was on purpose. Steve wants to wants to get this over with. So right. he wants to draw him out. So Stuart sits down on his bed, and then next thing you know, Stuart's walking into the park. And you're like, oh shit, is he gonna meet up with Steve? No. He's gonna meet up with apparently his dad. Right. And you can see his dad you can tell this is where all of uh Stuart's problems come from. He he can never no matter how he tries, he can never live up to what his dad wants him to be. And he's like, his dad goes, you know what you have to do, Stewie. And we learned from talking with Paul, he does not like to be called Stewie. That's right. So now we're back at, 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 at we learned now, and then it's like, oh my god, he's in his room again. This was just like some weird kind of fucking right. hallucination he had. Right. So he's back at his place, and he goes into like, that closet, pulls out his fucking motorcycle boot, pulls out that fucking steak knife. We got our killer, Griff. Or do we? So, Steve returns to his old apartment, you know, the gay one. And, you know, he's getting ready to go back in his room. And he's like, shit, you know what? I need to talk this over with Ted. Right. And he knocks on the door and Greg answers. Did you recognize Greg Griff? No, who was he? Fucking Ajax from the Warriors. The guy that tries to rape the chick, the, the no police woman. No way. Right. Holy He's shit. He's wearing some tidy greenies. He's got some green, like, fucking briefs on. Or, you know, oh, that's later on. Was that the same? No, that's just this Okay. Scene, which means he's hustling. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, you know, he's like, hey, is Ted here? He's like, who the fuck are you? And I get, so, so 
No, he he smells it immediately. Oh no, yeah, but he's playing cool. But he he definitely knows about uh, Steve John. Yeah. And he knows that Ted and John have been talking to because right. he alludes as they're talking like, oh, you're the guy living. Are you living in Bob's place? We give an, giving an illusion that Ted likes to slum a little. Right. He was hanging with Bob. Right. And we did her hear from Ted that he's afraid to go cruising anymore. So he's like a voyeur type Ted. He likes to hear the stories from the rough, to, you know, the rough leather dudes, but he doesn't want to participate. Quite possibly. Yeah. yeah. Quite possibly. And so Ted's like, I mean, like Ted, but Greg is like obviously jealous of John. He's like, oh, you, you're the new guy he's like talking to. Yeah, you do often come to Ted's place and ask for him in the middle of the night. And so they start getting a little heated because like Steve's like, fuck you, dude. And then Greg just slams the door because he's, he's a bitch. He talks a lot of shit, but when you give him some shit back, he backs down. So he slams the door, right. rocks it. And then he's like sitting in his he's sitting in his apartment. Yeah, uh, Steve bashes on a door a few times, calls him a cocksucker, and then he's like venting in the hallway for a second, and then it looks like he's about to go back into his apartment, but then he just like chameleons to the wall. Greg is like sitting in there, and he's like, "I gotta tell that guy off." So he like goes to open the door, and Steve just bursts in, slaps the shit out of fucking Greg. Greg, because he's got those dancer legs, manages to <laughs> kick him away, gets into his kitchen, grabs a fucking giant steak knife, well, not steak knife, but butcher's knife, and is holding it up. And then Steve is just like, you know what? Fuck this. I want nothing to do with this anymore. So Steve heads to Stuart's place, and he's watching. And he sees is Stuart like he sees Stuart like leathering up, right? Because Stuart's yeah. like in his apartment, right? He's back in that. He, there is a park bench waiting for Steve <laughs> to watch Stuart. Right. He's got it, like rent it out, and and does Stuart sees him? Right? They're like this is they're going to be their final. Like, it seems thing. like Stuart sees him. How? But I don't get because this is this. Who does Stuart think Steve is? Do you think he's a guy that just wants to fuck him, or do you think he's a guy that wants to hurt him? I don't know because this makes me question. Like this whole scene makes me question if Stuart's gay. Well, he's obviously gay. I, this scene made me question it. So Steve goes to the the door and thinks about buzzing Stuart in or buzzing Stuart to let him in. Right. He lays low while Paul actually walks out of the building. So he's trying to keep his face hidden so people don't notice him at the building because Steve's apparently up to no good. Thinks better of it. Just goes right back into the park. Right. And just stares out. And Steve. Finishes up preparing his leather daddy outfit for the night, turns off the light, we see it from the apartment, and then walk out. And Steve follows. Right. And then they meet up in the park. Uh, Stuart just, like, sits on, on the bench, and then Steve walks up, and he sits on one, like, a next bench down. Adjacent, yeah. And so this is where I'm like, okay, I think Stuart... Want he well, definitely wants to kill Steve. I, I this was I don't know, this is a very confusing it's frustrating because the tension in this scene is amazing, by the way. Because you're like, does Stuart just want to fuck Steve or think Steve just wants to fuck him? Yeah. Or does he think like I got this guy knows what I'm doing and I need to kill him? Right. It's you know, you don't know. It's it's really good. This is actually a very tense scene. I really like this scene. It was very good. 
So, yeah. So my interpretation is Stuart plans on killing Steve, and he wants him to think he wants to fuck him. Yeah. So he's just like, hey, why don't we go do something? They're both playing, you know, kind of chased here. Stuart goes to, uh, you know, pulls a, po- a cigarette out of his pocket. Steve pulls a cigarette and then walks over and offers to light Steve's or Stuart's cigarette. And that's how they start talking. Right. And then it starts mounting into, you got a place nearby? Stuart telling him. Uh, I don't want to take you back. My roommate's up there. We know he doesn't have a roommate. And so it's like, well, I don't want to do anything public. Well, I know a private public place. Yeah, he's like, let's go back here. And they go back to some, I don't know what, some like fenced off area. I don't know. It's weird. So this is, again, Murray, I just want to lead with this. I'm not even that convinced that Stewart is gay. Because no, no, to, no, no. I, I believe he is. And I think that's why his father hated him. Yeah. No. He's uh, another. Well, obviously, yeah, he's killing people because he's it's self-loathing. He's killing gay guys because he can't deal with the fact that he's gay. Okay. And so that leads to the question, like, is Steve like the mirror image of him? Because he's not killing anybody. But he's is he a self-loathing gay guy, too? Because he's what? so fucked up about okay. all this shit. Because now we're going to get. And this is an amazing scene. Like, you know, the Western draw scene. They're doing the Western gay draw scene. (laughs) Think about that. He's like, come on, let's go. This is epic. Hips or lips, motherfucker. Well, first he goes, how big are you? It's like Stuart says, Steve goes, potty size. And Stuart, by the way, or Steve, by the way, you said Stuart said that to Steve, right? Yeah, Stuart asked how big he was. Yeah, and so Steve... Not gay, as far as we know, is challenging it and everything. Is taking his jacket off. Are they playing gay chicken? Are they playing gay chicken? No, it's gay chicken. That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're playing gay chicken 100%. And he's taking his jacket off. And suddenly, we've been talking about how Al Pacino in this whole movie, mealy mouth, very whispery, suddenly, I'm party size, baby. What do you want? Hips or lips? Take it and the belt. (laughs) Takes his pants off. Folds his pants. That's I like right. The, I like the little addition of him folding his pants. I know everything. Side. Everything was so formal about this. Again, you gay hookup culture. You guys got it fucking right. You're like folding pants. You're getting down. You're like, who's laying out the blanket? So we have Steve Al Pacino, boots on, no pants, leather jacket, Stewart's clothes. Like, come on, get him off. So Stuart's like, all right, all right, let me get my pants off. And Steve starts getting closer. Are you shy? <laughs> I want the party. I want the world. I want the whole world in my hand. So Stuart's like slowly pulls his pants down. He looks nervous as fuck. Well, yeah. Yeah. And he's ready, but he's 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 ready to kill Steve. Because so he wants Steve to like let his guard down. So that's why he's slowly pulling. But he's going for his knife as he's pulling because he puts his knife in his boot. Yeah. Again, this is why I was confused because I was like, Stuart looks way uncomfortable with the sexual situation. Well, because. But again, no, I, no, I, I think you think we're on the same page where he thinks it's about murder. Right. And also he is uncomfortable because he's always in the power position in these, oh. in these sexual situations. Okay. And he doesn't know how to react, so he's He's like, never even taken his glasses off, as far right. as we've seen. <laughs> right. 
So, yeah. So he pulls it. He's going for his knife. Steve knows what he's going to do. Right. So he stomps on the crotch of his pants. Right. And then, and then as Stuart goes to stab him, he dives away and stabs fucking Stuart. Right. Stuart collapses. All right. Now we're at the hospital. He did not kill Stuart. Stuart just got stabbed in the left shoulder. That's right. Went all the way through. He's going to be all fine. The way through. Blade went all the way through. And so, this is where we learn, like, it's just about closing cases. Nobody cares about justice or exactly. anything. Because Edelson is like, we got you, buddy. You print match the one on that on the porno booth coin. The Martino Perry case. So we know, at least we know Stewart at least killed that guy. Right. But we're not. We still, he is a murderer. It's, this is this. But the that's the good thing about the great thing about this movie. It's very ambiguous. We still don't know if he killed everyone else. Because like we said. Friedkin had different actors playing the killers in right. the scenes. They just assumed that it was the same guy killing all the other gay people. And he's like, we got you dead to right. You're going to go down for at least 20 to life for this guy. Or you admit that all of the killings and we'll get you out in eight years. And that, again, is the part where you're like, my God, they are just... It's just fogging a, this all up. It's just about public relations. It's right. about making New York seem safe. It's about those newspaper headlines we've been reading throughout it's this about whole the, movie. It's about the Democratic National Convention. Right. The DNC, of course. There's going to be a ton of money coming in, and we need to make it like we got the killer of all these people. That's right. I also like I liked the fact that like we never – no mention of the body parts. That could be a totally different serial killer for I'm all glad we, we remember to bring – you remembered. <laughs> I got to give you all the credit there because that is how this movie starts – that is actually the bookend is that same little tugger boat moving yeah. along. None of the killers ever chop up the bodies. Never. The bodies that are found are, are intact. So we're left with the assumption like, wait, this guy wasn't lopping off limbs and throwing them into the bay. He wasn't doing anything like that. And so Cap takes Steve out of the room. Hey, you did well, a great... Like, well, Stuart says, I'm innocent. Like, I'm, like he doesn't take... I, any of oh the yeah, Stewart says he attacked like, me. I killed, yeah, he's like I killed nobody. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah, and then he takes Captain uh, Steve out. And he's like, we did it. And like Steve's obviously he witnessed this. He's like, this is all bullshit. So he's like, you try to pin it on that skip kid. Like, what the fuck's going on here? And so he's really disillusioned. He's like, hey, here's something to cheer you up, buddy. You're gonna get that fucking gold badge. Welcome to the defect, the detective. We're gonna get you out of all the crimes you're related to and everything. No big deal. It's gonna be great. You're a detective now. So now Steve finally got what he wanted. We did all of this shit for, and it just leaves a fucking shitty taste in his mouth because he see what he had to do to get it. But we it's don't like innocent get a- people almost went to jail for this shit. Skip got the. Sh- Got the shit beat out of him. Right, by the fucking giant cowboy bike. And because, like, Steve obviously got into police work for the right reasons. So now he's getting disillusioned. He's it's very like, Serpico. Yeah. Yeah. Another Al Pacino. Exactly. Movie. And uh, then we just cut over back to uh, Stewart's apartment. And they're cleaning it up. Lafrensky's in there. Right. They're, yeah, they're looking for more evidence to, you know, this, this yeah. totally pin it on Stewart. Paul's in there helping them out. Oh yeah, those are all the pictures of Stuart when he was a kid. And they find like his his leather closet with the no, the letters, and they're like, "What? All these letters are written to this John Richards?" And like Paul's like, "Yeah, it's his dad, but he didn't send them because his dad's been dead for the past ten years." So that flashback scene makes sense now, right? Yeah. He's been dead for ten years. 
So they're like, huh. So um, so that's that. And then we cut to Captain arrives at a murder scene. We, right, right? we don't know who, what, what's going on. We yeah. know someone's been killed. We just fade from daytime to nighttime. We're outside of a random street in New York. And fucking DeSimone's there. Uh, it's Joe Spinell. And he's like, yeah, looks like... Somebody, like a lover's quarrel, I don't know what. Somebody just killed this guy. Camera pans out a little further. They're talking to our captain. Right. And they go into the where the, the murder scene is, and it's fucking Ted. It's Ted's place. It's Greg's and place. I, and I love this scene because we're like, did Greg kill him? Did fucking Steve kill him? Right. Who the fuck knows? What the fuck is going on here? And we're like, because again, I, the steward and Steve complex, the meeting at the park takes on a whole new meeting. Because maybe Steve was really affected by that. We saw he was confused. Right. About and the this whole is thing. where I'm like, okay, I get why gay people will be offended. Because the thing insinuates that the gayer, gayer, in air quotes, Steve became, the more of a homicidal killer he became. Oh. You know, like th- there might. I don't know. This is well. This is, I'll give Friedkin uh, credit. He's letting us choose whatever we want. He's not explicitly saying this, but he's yeah. implying maybe it is Steve. And then when Steve finally became gay, air quotes, he became a killer. Right. Right. That's yeah. that's a question that is loaded into this fucking gun, and that sucks. That is really shitty. Uh, but as of course he's hearing all the details from the cop, he looks up notices his badge and he's like Disimony? Sixth Precinct? Yeah. Sixth Precinct. Yeah. And then he you know, obviously we know that he's flashing like in in uh Edelson's head, he's thinking about what Da Vinci said yeah. in the beginning. Because he can he would never believe any of his cops would be into like gay shit at all. And right. he's like, maybe he is so- telling the truth. In my mind, I was thinking, like, are they trying to say the cops had something to do with it? We don't know. We'll never know. And then we just see a quick shot of that meatmonger district. Meatpacking district. Thank you. <laughs> and the leather man. And we're like, is that Steve? Is that the kill, the real killer? Is that just a guy going to the club? We don't know. They all look the same. <laughs> And then now we're back at, at, at home at Nancy's apartment. Steve's there shaving. He's, he's just getting ready to be a detective. He can't wait to start the day. Nancy's like, hey, what's going on? He's like, it's over. The case is over. I'm back. Can I be home now? Can I come home with you? And she's like, yeah, you can. And then she goes. <laughs> Let me finish up in here. Yeah. And then she goes out into the living room and she notices how his leather gear is laid out there. And she doesn't. She knows nothing about the case. What he's been doing. So right. she's like, "Oh, this looks cool." Puts on the fucking shades. Then the leather or the hat, and then the jacket. And looks in the mirror. And then we just see uh, Steve finishing up shave and stares in the mirror. And then we're left to think: Is he gay now? Is he a homicidal maniac? I don't <laughs> fucking know. What the. the- so many questions. <laughs> I love it for the questions. I get why the gay community back then would be a little bothered by it because of the ambiguity. It makes it seem like gay people could there, be well, there's that, Yeah, you, there's no way in hell you can make this movie now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, 
it's a good movie, but yeah, it sucks that it's it, it does possibly paint the gay community. It leaves it open for that interpretation. Yeah, I they got. The I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I believe I trust. Al Pacino enough to believe he went into it with best of intentions. 100%. I don't know about William Freakin. I don't know enough about his background. A hundred percent. But he might he might have been implying that he might have just been maybe implying it, but just to make for con- like for conversation about the movie. Like he doesn't believe gays are like that, but right. You know, it's just he leaves that ambiguity. He leaves it like all Goethe artists. He leaves it open for you to interpret. I would a hundred percent believe in the tension. Uh, like. The whole ambition behind Stuart. I believe the addition of the Ted character makes it pretty safe that he doesn't believe all gay people are like Exactly. That's why I said we need to shine a light on the Ted character. Like, I said that back when we were introduced to Ted and how he is our, like, light into the gay world. It's, we're normal people. We like to fucking do everything normal people like to do. And then we have, you know, this side to us. But and then there's Stuart, and once you get to learn that his dad was a fucking piece of shit and told him like you're wrong and you need to fix it, you know how to fix it. That ambiguity tells you like, sure, Stuart was probably a gay man, and then he had everybody telling him he's wrong for being gay, whereas everybody, you know, nobody told Ted he was wrong for being gay, and so Ted was just cool about it. He didn't know. Well, he might have been, but that's why he probably moved to New York, where it is more accepted. Yeah, you know? no. There is a gay community. Like, he, he could have been from, like, fucking he shit sa- kickerville Indiana, I think he did say he moved from... I yeah. forget where he said he moved from. He went to college somewhere else, yeah. and he moved there. So it's like... Th- that could have been the thing, but still, it's like... Ted was living comfortably, and then you had Stuart, who was clearly troubled by how his he was still very connected to his dad and his dad was telling him he was wrong. Yeah. And like I said, he was like the mirror image of Steve. Steve also was very uncomfortable with who he really was. Yeah. Clearly. Or was he? We don't, that's the thing. We don't know. Right. We don't know. Is he gay? Is he just a guy who's just uncomfortable with gay people? I, I don't know. One of the most incredible <laughs> movies for conversation. There Again, you go, I'm people. sorry, Joe. This it's not is why just you... dick jokes on Going Global yeah. Theater. I'm sorry, Joe. This is why you couldn't be on it. <laughs> We're two and a half, probably hours right now. We we just we don't want to inundate people with a four hour episode. We want to hear yeah. your insight. You know where to find us. We've got the Twitter. We got the we got the uh, SoundCloud. This will be up on YouTube soon enough. You can communicate your input. I don't know if it will be using the C word in this. this I did accidentally uh, use the C word. I might have to go censor that out there. (laughs) But we want to fucking hear because this is a great conversational movie. And, hey, that's what Golden Globus is all about. For the greatest. And just as Sex Thriller Month begins, so it ends next week. (sighs) And so as we started with Brian De Palma, we're going to end with Brian De Palma. And I swear to you, there's some fucking in this movie, at least. I'm talking about, but hetero, there's also hetero, hetero fucking, and there, but there's also some very questionable, dated for for its time views of certain segments of society. Because that's why I picked these movies. Everyone's like, "Why did you pick movies where there's tons of fucking?" Because that's not good for conversation. It isn't. I know everybody wants to hear our Swedes and scale and every sex scene ever recorded. Right. But I wanted, if we're going to do this once, I wanted to do something a little more thought provoking. We told you from the first week, this is not a Swedes and scale week. This, yes. Month. Excuse me. Month. 
So next week, we finish uh, Sex Third Month with Dress to Kill. So see you then, and keep it warm. <laughs>